Welcome to a new episode of the Cartridge Club, where we discuss our game of the month with members of the Cartridge Club community. For the month of June, the Cartridge Club played The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Joining me on the show, we have Adam Atomic Bomb 1980, Stumptown Retro, Captain Algebra, Michael B. the Game Genie, and Tom and Lacey from Do You Nerd. If you've played along, you can always share your own experiences in the forums at cartridgeclub.org, in our community's Discord, or across social media by using the hashtag Cartridge Club. Before I start the show, on behalf of the entire Cartridge Club community, I'd like to give a huge shout out to our Patreon Club backers like Joel Boyce, Buried on Mars, Christopher Rohr, Dean Lasagna, Ross Ringo, and Caleb J. Ross. To our backers and Patreon supporters, thank you. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon supporter for the Cartridge Club, please look in how you can do that at patreon.com forward slash cartridge club. Why don't you start us off with your overall thoughts on Tears of the Kingdom? Sure. So I've I got a late start into the Zelda series. I didn't actually start till Twilight Princess, and then I went back and played Ocarina and Link to the Past and stuff. <clears throat> but it's turned into one of my favorite franchises. And I've because I started with 3D, I've always preferred the 3D Zeldas to the top down. Um, and so I was not a huge fan of Breath of the Wild, but. I was excited for Tears of the Kingdom, hoping it would be a little bit different. And I thought it was a good game, but I don't really consider it a good Zelda game. It's got exploration. It's got the puzzle solving. It's got the good Zelda lore. But there's parts that are missing that make it Zelda for me. For me, I need big, unique, large dungeons to explore. And those are kind of meh in Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. They've gotten better. Breath of the Wild is really bad, but it's still not great. And music is a huge part of Zelda games. And while Tears of the Kingdom has better music, it's still nothing memorable. Like, if you think Ocarina of Time, you're going to remember all the music. You think Twilight Princess, you remember the music. A Link to the Past, all of those old classic Zelda games, you remember the music because it's memorable. And it's not really that memorable anymore. So it's a good game. It's just not a really good Zelda game for me. So I started playing Zelda back on the NES. That was my first experience. I started off with Top Down and everything like that. For the longest time, my favorite game in the series was A Link to the Past until I played Wind Waker uh, because that game just had so much character and that kind of converted me into that 3D fan. And I absolutely loved it. It just has so much personality. When Breath of the Wild came out, I was really excited for it because, you know, we'd waited so long for a Zelda game at that point after, you know, having Skyward Sword. And I wasn't as super enthused into it as I probably should have been. I still beat the game. I still did everything 100% in that game. But it just never felt like everything clicked the way I wanted it to. So when uh, Tears of the Kingdom was announced, I wasn't super excited for it because I was wondering how they could really progress it or make Zelda new and exciting. But it's absolutely one of my favorite Zelda games so far. 
I feel like they got the mechanics much better. The fuse and all your uh, different abilities that you gain from Raru are so much better than what we had in Breath of the Wild and allow for so much more creativity. And the fact that the world expanded to be about three times the size of what it was before with your exploration of the sky and the depths, that they were able to fit that in such a small cartridge and such a small footprint on your Switch's storage just makes me feel like every other developer in the industry is lazy at this point <laughs> because how I don't know how they did it. Like, how is Pokemon Scarlet and Violet this bad, but this is this amazing? I had a lot of fun with it. I felt that the music wasn't super memorable, except in the moments where it needed to be. So, like, the new Ganondorf theme that they had uh, orchestrated was absolutely incredible. Um, the temples were a lot better than the uh, ancient uh, devices from the uh, from Breath of the Wild. And I felt like the shrines were better designed as well. There was a lot better puzzles. And I feel like that's where that balance comes in from the dungeons in the old games because we never had shrines in the old games. And so we have all these multiple different experiences lining up for us. Um, the labyrinths that they, they had in this one as well were absolutely fantastic to explore. Every single one of them had like a unique pathing and things like that to be able to get the evil spirit armor. That was a lot of fun to be able to play around with. Uh, and I just ended up getting so lost in this game. I was like, oh, I could probably go beat Ganon now. And when I went to go finally beat him, I was way too overpowered because I got so lost in the game that I had so much stuff to be able to fuse and use that it ended up making the whole game simple at that point. But that's kind of a beautiful thing that you can get to know this game that well, that and the mechanics that well, that nothing is really a challenge anymore, which is kind of fun. So I've been playing The Legend of Zelda since I was a wee lad. I started on the NES with the top-down original game. Uh, for people that say they don't like when Zelda moved away from the top-down structure, I mean, come on, Link's Awakening, guys. Like, obviously, a Zelda game can be more than just a top-down adventure. They proved that right out of the gate. But I prefer the top-down. My favorite game of all time, still to this day, is The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. I compare everything else to that. Every time I open a new Legend of Zelda adventure, that's the one I compare it to. However, I did like the, you know, move to 3D. Ocarina of Time was, you know, pretty great. Didn't love Majora's Mask. I know that's a cult classic, but I didn't love that as much as everybody else because that felt like with the inclusion of the masks and the different abilities, that felt like it was a little bit too far. And it's funny because we're going to talk about that when we go into Tears of Kingdom because they implied uh, applied new elements that just wacky <laughs> so um you know moving forward from there we got to breath of the wild and breath of the wild was a complete move away from everything zelda is cap you said it earlier and i completely agree with you there's things that make zelda zelda regardless of whether or not it's top down side scrolling or 3d is there's a certain formula zelda that just seems to work and for some reason they moved away from that with Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. Like basically, they've uh, said, "What's popular right now in the gaming sphere? All these big open world games, like you know, or not open world games so much, but like stuff like Dark Souls and stuff like that." So very much, I felt that Breath of the Wild was Zelda's Dark Zelda Dark Souls, and uh, I liked it, but like. I liked it not as a Zelda game, just as a video game. I didn't really feel it was a Zelda game. Moving into Tears of the Kingdom, I was a little bit concerned because I was like, what is this? And you're looking at the fuse abilities and everything you see in the commercials. And I was like, 
is this going to be Legend of Zelda nuts and bolts, like Banjo-Kazooie nuts and bolts? Are they going to go over the top with some kind of weird mechanic that's just going to completely ruin the experience? So much like Breath of the Wild, I went into it wanting not to like it. And no matter how hard I tried not to like it, I still loved it. I mean, I thought it was an excellent experience. All the mechanics that I thought were going to detract from the game actually made the experience much more manageable. Uh, I mean, for example, uh, the one where you can actually rise, uh, the arise ability. How much time did that cut down from visiting like familiar pieces of uh, Breath of the Wild? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to climb that. And you just jump up through something. So all the new mechanics worked. I, I do agree that the experience was very good. Music was a lot better. Like that uh, Ganondorf theme is iconic. I do want to talk about story, though, because I think there's a huge elephant in the room. They had a thing called Calamity Ganon in the first game, but yet nowhere in this story do they make the connection that, hey, there's this guy named Ganondorf or Ganon, the Demon King Ganon. Maybe he's connected to Calamity Ganon. Like, <laughs> I don't understand where that tie-in is. So I was waiting for that tie-in the whole game. I still never got it. I'm still confused about that. So I'm interested to hear what you guys have to think about the story and where those connect. Overall, I love this. I, I spent a bunch of time with it. I could have done so much more, but, you know, I just realized at one point I was like, yeah, I'm like 50 hours into this. I, I'm just going to go see if I can beat Ganon at this point. And that was it. So I started playing The Legend of Zelda on the NES, just like a lot of us have. Um, I remember when Zelda 2 came out. I mean, I was young, but I do remember when Zelda 2 came out. So that dates me. I mean, 1980s in my name because that's the year I was born. So I was playing Zelda basically since it came out. And I absolutely loved it. The Legend of Zelda franchise is what got me into gaming. It's what made me want to game. Yes, I played games, but it grew my passion of loving games. Uh, you were mentioning about like, you know, a lot of people don't like the fact that, you know, like they don't like the top down Zelda because they prefer the 3D Zelda. But yet I find that funny because they go and play Diablo. How different is Diablo's top down versus Zelda's top down? You're both dungeon crawling. You're both going through anything. It's just for me personally, I think Zelda has better combat, the hack and slash and the things that you do, as opposed to just standing there and just tapping a button and casting spells or whatever class you are. So for me, that's kind of weird when people say like they don't like a certain game, but then they go play another game that's the same. In a sense, I think the Zelda franchise also kind of started that whole top down like dungeon crawling thing, because you think about it before the very first Zelda and then, you know, Zelda 2 was a big step away from it, but then they went back to it with a link to the past and then just knocked it out of the ballpark. How many games prior to the link to the past were the top down games like Diablo Marvel's Ultimate Alliance, X-Men Legends, like those type of games. None, really. Not that I can recall. I mean, there might be an obscure NES game I never heard of that might have done it. But but then again, but yeah. So now we're going into, I own every single Zelda game. And I was looking so forward to Tears of the Kingdom. Because my first uh, opinion of Breath of the Wild was, I did not like it that much the first time I played through it. I played through it, rushed through it, I beat it. And then I moved on. I eventually started to stream and I decided to restream that game. My second playthrough of Breath of the Wild made me appreciate that game so much more than I did my first time. 
going through all the shrines, 100% and getting every little costume, finally playing through the DLC. I bought the DLC twice because I played through on, I was actually with um, Rocket Sauce when on, on day one launch. I bought it on the Wii U because I wasn't going to buy a new system just for Breath of the Wild. I eventually rebought it on the Switch and then replayed it through there. So I've been very, very excited for Tears of the Kingdom. I had a lot of mixed feelings throughout my first impressions on my streams playing through it. There was a lot of things I hated. There was a lot of things that annoyed me as I was starting to get used to the game because I tried to avoid all spoilers. I'm like, please don't tell me they're turning this into Fortnite where I have to build stuff. I thought that was kind of dumb at, at first. I thought the fusing ability was dumb when you can fuse an apple to a shield. I'm like, this is ridiculous. So this just completely took me away from the immersion of the game. But I stuck to the game. The more I stuck to the game, the more and more I started loving Tears of the Kingdom. So I, I'm finally to a certain point. I have not finished it, um, but I am going to keep playing it and playing it and playing it because I think it's a really good game. It is not completely, it doesn't feel like a Zelda game. I feel like Breath of the Wild maybe feels a little bit closer to a Zelda game than Tears of the Kingdom does. I, there's a lot of things in Breath of the Wild I like more than Tears of the Kingdom, but I think Tears of the Kingdom by far has the better story. Completely, it just has the better story. I like the connection, the lore that they connected the Skyward Sword. There's a lot of feeling of Skyward Sword in Tears of the Kingdom, and I love that because Skyward Sword is one of my favorite Zelda games. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I knew uh, Rocket was going to do boo. <laughs> I still question, do you say that just because of gameplay or because of the actual story? The whole game. Uh, but believe me, <laughs> believe me, when we get to Skyward Sword, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to be a good show. So. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll be on that one for sure. I guess yeah. you got to have that dissenting opinion. But yeah, like in getting into the Zelda, what it makes Zelda Zelda is the dungeons and everything. I do agree that Tears of the Kingdom did that so much better. I do like the fact that now we now have boss fights, but who remembers when we had eight dungeons and not just four? Like, like it's just as it seems like they're still like stripping down Zelda to an extent and say, here's what you want. Then just go run around the world forever. Like, and just that, that seems like the focus is, is they want you to just run around and explore more so than actually go through dungeons and defeat bosses, finding that weapon that you need to use on the boss, which I still think they could have done. You could have gone in through like one of the dungeons in Tears of the Kingdom and realized, oh shit, I don't have the weapon that I need for this. Where is it? It's somewhere in the world, isn't it? Like it's it's not in this dungeon. Maybe it's in the other dungeon. Maybe it's in a cave somewhere. Maybe if they decide to turn this into a trilogy or something that they're going to do with it, maybe they can expand upon it, but but overall, I'm very, very, I'm unsatisfied with it. It's just, it's still not the Zelda I'm used to. I feel like that's a moment where you come in with the song, the Zelda that I used to know. <laughs> um, so I've, I've had a lifelong history with the Zelda games, played the NES originals. Link to the Past was the one that really won me over because of the lore. You know, it, it took so much of a, a deeper dive into the story. And the NES games outside of the manual really didn't have much to go off of. So while I really enjoy the top-down Zelda games, I've never had a problem with the 3D Zelda games. It always felt like the natural progression for them, of course. 
Breath of the Wild, when it came out, the thing that I really loved about it was the open world because I do love the exploration aspect. A lot of the games that I play, um, I will have to have my wife and her sister present for the story elements. <laughs> so when there's an open world game, it gives me a chance to continue to play the game without progressing the game, per se. That being said, Tears of the Kingdom, um, it, it felt like the easiest Zelda game I've ever played. I, I didn't have any problem with shrines except one because of a very stupid specific issue. The uh, the temples felt very brief. I, I'm fascinated by those who like these temples better than Breath of the Wild because these felt shorter than the ones in Breath of the Wild. But that may just be for me. And outside of like figuring out the temples and the shrines, everything else, I guess it could have been an overpowered thing because I did put a ton of time into it and I played it to death. But as far as making it easy, I would like to say I do appreciate that the effort that I put into it wasn't wasted. I, I don't like when games scale enemies up to your level because it feels like the time that you put into the game was wasted. And though I was running across a lot of uh, silver bokoblins and everything, it still felt like my you know, leveling up, for lack of a better term, uh, it was still present there. And despite all of that, I really did enjoy the game because of that exploration aspect. Even still, the sky felt very underutil underutilized and the, uh, the depths felt very empty. But I've seen so many people say that they loved exploring the depths. Whatever was ringing out to them, it didn't connect to me. But the fact that they enjoyed that, I mean, I think that's great because it obviously gives them more Zelda to play. Uh, so it, it feels like I'm I'm shaming the game in so many regards, but I actually had a blast playing it. I had so much fun. I didn't want to stop playing it. I went through. I did all of the side quests and everything, and that 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 took forever as it was. Um, the music I thought the music was pretty good. Definitely a step up from Breath of the Wild. Something that I really liked was how it would sample Zelda tunes from previous games. So whenever you would have uh, a musical piece come in, you would get like a sample of Ganon's theme or like a, a palace theme or a dungeon theme, you know, the Hyrule Castle theme, like just a few bars would be put in there. And it was really well done like that because it was kind of um, maybe an audible Easter egg of sorts. What about when he was cooking? Oh, I loved, I loved that when he would cook and he would hum various Zelda tunes, you know, it was such a good touch uh, in a small thing. But the last thing really for me was, um, I guess like, just what I want to say is there was so much to do that it felt like I was returning to breath of the wild, which is what I wanted. Just more breath of the wild, but it didn't always feel like it offered a lot of newness as far as a sequel. I don't want to say it felt like glorified DLC, but I don't really know a better way to phrase it. What about you? Any, any thoughts from a, a third-person perspective, just watching it? Honestly, watching you play the game, because I haven't played this one yet, I did play Breath of the Wild, I felt like the only thing that was useless in this entire game was the, the hot glue gun mechanic. It was just... It, it wasn't needed. We totally went through the entire game only using it when they made us use the game, the, the mechanic. It wasn't even... It didn't even come into play when we beat the game. We didn't need it. We didn't need any of the Zonite stuff. We didn't need any of that stuff. We just beat the game on a normal Zelda level of beating a game. So it's like, I do absolutely love 
Tears of the Kingdom because I loved Breath of the Wild. It is my favorite Zelda game. So it was exactly what I wanted, a continuation of my favorite game. But it felt like a junior version to it. So I agree, it does feel like DLC. Because everything in it, from watching you play it, was not as difficult. Even the the end shrine, or the end dungeons, if whatever you want to call them, there was hardly any enemies in them. And it was just like, really quick, we used the, the new mechanic we got from, from the Sage, and then we moved on and the boss battle was very easy at the very end of it. So I thought that the, um, the original from the first game, those, the big machines were harder to beat. I felt like watching them than these guys were. So, but I, I still love it. I, I think it's beautiful. It's fun. It gives you a lot more things to do, especially because you and I were gamers who didn't have a lot of money as a kid, so we didn't get a lot of games. <laughs> so you want to make sure that that money stretches and that you can play a game for a long that's, that's time. That's definitely a holdover into our adult years. <laughs> so we definitely like having a game that we can spend a long time in and get our money's worth. You know, I know there's a lot of criticism and critiquing going on right here, but I think it's because we're all big fans of the franchise. And it's not coming from a negative place. I think it's more along the line of like, this is great, but it can be better. It can be, you know, it can be better. And and we all have the things we like from a Zelda game, and we want to see that in the game. So I, th I think really it's more along the line of like, uh, let me get a quick recap from everybody. Uh, what's your favorite Zelda game in the franchise? So Cap, why don't you give us your, your favorite? Uh, Twilight Princess. Stop. Good waker. And Michael, you said it was linked to the past, right? Yes, the greatest game ever. We can continue. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Adam? This one is split. I have to split this one because we were talking about how the franchise went away from, you know, the top down to 3D. So my favorite game, I would probably say I might even put this as number one, just slightly above the other. But if I chose between the two different paths of games, A Link to the Past is my favorite top down. Twilight Princess is my favorite 3D. Tom and Lacey? I would say my favorite Zelda game is Breath of the Wild. Uh, Wand of Gamelong and Tingle's Rosy Rupee Land. Ooh. No, Link to the Past. <laughs> that crossbow challenge? <laughs> oh! Wait, can I redo my answer? Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, it's Ocarina of Time, and that's my favorite game of all time. It's the game that got me into the franchise itself. Now, not seeing it wasn't the first Zelda game. I remember just as a kid, and I've said this before a couple times on the show, when it comes to a Zelda game, originally the top-down, coming from my first video game I ever played was Mario. So if the, if the game wasn't going left or right, I didn't know what to do as a child. So my mind was like, nope, I can't do this. I'm, I can't do this anywhere. After Ocarina of Time, I actually went back to the original Zelda game, played that, uh, Link to the Past. So like I said, I worked my way back after Ocarina. And I generally do prefer the 3D over the over the 2D, but that's just because it's where I started, I believe. And I guess I should state my overall opinion of this game. Um, I am currently still all the way through this game. You know, the one thing I was thinking about, too, this with this Breath of the Wild formula is it's starting to this hit on me. Like, it's almost kind of what reminds me of the Resident Evil franchise in that it was doing one thing for five, six games, and then Resident Evil 4 comes out and changes how they're going to do it as a game. Now, I like Resident Evil 4, but I also cited it as the reason why it, Resident Evil 
change and i don't like it for that reason alone uh because i loved my horror elements and four made it more of an action game where i'm like yeah it's good but it's not a wrestling evil game that's the only way you know it's starting to dawn on me like that and not saying it's bad uh because i think it's it's just the game it's it's just that the little bit of eh, that you changed on it so I, I i hold it against you uh but zelda is constantly changed itself over the years like i said it started as a top-down game then it went to like a side-scrolling game a little bit but then it went back to the top-down game and then ocarina comes out and changes how open world is done completely as a video game it revolutionized and then they did that for a while you know they granted each one was slightly different but then I I clear I remember this about Twilight Princess, and I might have said it on Twilight Princess. I remember when Twilight Princess came out, and the one thing that people knocked it wasn't for being like I think the one thing they knocked out is they're saying it's starting to get to be this too samey here. It's starting to be we even, you know, it's just Zelda, but more improved on and more improved on, more improved on. Nothing different is what it was. And I think, you know, Skyward Sword maybe reached for some of that. But Breath of the Wild was the next big change in the evolution of the Zelda franchise. And despite what I liked about it, I remember originally when Breath of the Wild came out, I was doing phone calls with Cartridge Bros, you know, P1, Sean, and I was talking with him. We were doing these calls where I'm like, did you do this? And he's like, no, but did you do this? And I'm like, no. And he's like, yeah, go here. So we're having these long, fun discussions. But I remember still at the end of the day after playing Breath of the Wild, I was like, you know, this was great. It could have been the best Zelda all the time if it had more than four dungeons, if it had a real Ganon, you know, if it had, you know, such and such. Tears of the Kingdom, I think, made a lot of improvements for me on Breath of the Wild, like bringing back Ganon, because that's what I wanted. I wanted, uh, I did want dungeons back, and I want multiple dungeons, uh, and stuff of the Divine Beast, right? But uh, up until recently when i just did the lightning temple like I, I felt the first two temples that i played were the water temple and the air temple didn't feel like temples to me they felt like small stations and granted the lightning temple i would say also isn't super big but it was more along the line of like those classic more to me like a classic dungeon kind of formula and feel to it where i'm like okay and I know it was a process even just to get to it. And I think that's the whole thing is all these other ones were more process just to get to it. But it's not presented like a dungeon, right? It took a minute of hovering in the air to get to to the whatever the... Was it a boat in the sky? I'm trying to remember what it, what it was basically for the air temple, right? Yeah, it was uh, the, uh, the arc. Yeah, you had, you had to clear all the muck before you can get actually up to the water temple. And then you had to do more muck cleaning up there. And I, I understand they're trying to, to do this... And they give you so much stuff because as it, as the time of this recording, I'm 85 hours in, and I've only beaten three, three of the the, te the temples, and it's because I'm like go back to something that happened like a year or so ago. I was working with Caleb, Caleb J. Ross, and he was working with this indie game developer, right? And it was he was looking for people just to test the game, give their honest thoughts. What you know, and like, why did you do this kind of thing? Like, there's many th many things you can do in this game, but why did you do this? Why did you go here? Why did you do that? And he kind of explained some things to me with like game design as he was learning and then reporting his his stats back to the developer. So, like, as an example, I'm gliding around, I'm gliding around. 
oop, there's a green circle area right over there. Well, that's probably a shrine. I'm going to go do that. Here I have these markers, and I can always go back to this marker at any point in time, but something's drawn me to over here. And that kind of was explained to me, like, you know, like, the developers, they want you to come here, kind of thing. But, but like, they're saying, like, you know, like, you'll be rewarded for coming here. Like, I remember on, on this game test I did, um, there's millions of things to do, but, like, why did I go here? Well, I'm like, well, I saw that yellow light flicker in the corner. You know, like, and granted, all these enemies over here were like, yeah, you can do this stuff, but they're trying to put, like, subtle things that you might be rewarded if you go do this over here kind of thing. So I just kept, I've, over this 85 hours, basically, I've constantly getting pulled away. I'm like, yeah, I can always go back here. It's safely marked. I'm not going to forget about it. I can go explore over here and see what's over here. The only time I ever quickly run away, and uh, this will probably be for enemy discussion, is whenever I saw one of those um, red floor muddles, uh, you know, mud puddles come around, and all of a sudden it's the hands of death coming all over your face, basically, you know, and I go running away because I still have not been quite able to figure out what I'm supposed to do there. But, um, I know this is really long-winded, but this also might go into gameplay. Uh, discussing it with friends who are also playing this game along too, and how how I kind of played this game is I still kind of played it like Breath of the Wild. By that I mean like first thing I did is max up the stamina wheel, so I have three full stamina wheels, right? So I can glide forever. But then hearing from a friend, like you're wasting your time doing that. Like just max out your batteries so you can build like a little jet bike and fly in the air and just you take everywhere. I still have not done that at all. You know, I've not done that once. You know, I, I have one battery. I have still one battery after 85 hours. I I, I know uh, there's things I still got to do. I have not gone to that. I've, I've only been to the depths once. Did the one mission that was requested of me. I did it. And I was like, I'll come back here. I've not gone back there yet. You know, I said like, uh, it was, I, I'm still playing this very much like how I did Breath of the Wild. That's because how I liked playing the Breath of the Wild. I wanted to glide for days. I wanted to clear out that whole map because I want to see the whole map. I don't like the idea of not knowing what's in that area. I think that's a great sign of the game. If I'm 85 hours in and it doesn't feel anywhere close to, I've been playing this since, since it came out in May, right? I've, I've not gone tired of it. And like I said, 85 hours is very intimidating when I know people have played for over a hundred hours and I'm not tired of it. It doesn't feel like that time. And I think that's a very positive. Uh, I'll give an example of something that I felt, Built worse than this, uh, like Mass Effect Andromeda, and and I'll I'll throw I'll even throw Bayonetta three under the bus here. As much as I love Bayonetta two, I've I've played Bayonetta three, and it, it tells me I've only been playing it for five hours. It feels like I've been playing that for 20, 30 hours, and I don't hate it, but it's such like it's not as nearly as fun as I remember. When you're having a fun time playing a game, that time flies, and you don't realize how much time you wasted on in, on this game. When a, when a game is boring and that's to me that's even worse than bad when a game is just boring it feels like you've wasted hundreds of hours and you can only have just wasted a couple that's a long-winded answer right there for a lot of this stuff here but yeah I know, I know what you I know what you mean though because like you get you when you get lost in these games and these are why a lot of times these games are popular like Skyrim fallout I love the Witcher 3 Assassin's Creed Origins Odyssey like you you get distracted you can spend hundreds of hours but you still feel like you've done something like you with Mass Effect you've spent like barely little time but it feels like you spent like ton of hours because it was boring the thing is, is we all love like Zelda and Tears of the Kingdom it's not boring 
like it's it's easy to get distracted it's like when you play like a game like the other games like witcher or whatever you're like oh i'm going to start this quest but then you go to a town and you talk to somebody else they give you a different quest and be like oh i'm going to go do that so then you go do that quest and you get to another town you get a quest and you're just like all over it's a, it's like the the family circus cartoon to where you're like all over but we enjoy it as long as you're still having fun that's really all that matters yeah i would say design wise it's probably a little bit closer to the witcher than any other open world game that i've played just in terms of the fact that there are giant things you can randomly run into that'll distract you from what you're trying to get done and i think that's where they decided to put a lot of their resources in this game like i never felt that there was a whole lot of empty space in tears of the kingdom which i found there was a lot of empty space in breath of the wild there were sections where i'd go through and I would just not see an enemy for a long time. That never happens in Tears of the Kingdom. Um, and there's always some sort of world boss somewhere, whether it's be Hinox or a Lionel or uh, a Gliok, <laughs> if you're unlucky. Like, there's always something somewhere. Um, and I feel like that takes over, like, some of the little mini boss and smaller dungeons that we used to have in some of the other games, is that we have these puzzly boss fights that we have to go after and get done that are scattered throughout there i remember first time i ran into what a king gliok i was just exploring the sky islands trying to get everywhere and look at every little thing and whoop, one of them's king gliok island great so glad i spent some time down on the ground building like this contraption that had like 10 laser beams and ran on a tractor i just sent it after it and i just rocket jumped in the air and just kept hitting its heads while it just burned it to death i was like great this this is good. This is gonna help me out a lot. <laughs> but yeah, it was a it was a nice fifteen minute battle with that Gliok because of an accident. But that's the kind of distraction that you can have in this game that didn't really exist before. And I've never had an experience like that in a Zelda game before where I have an accidental fifteen minute boss fight. And that's pretty cool to me. I love the boss fights too. As you talk about that, that's one of the, my biggest complaints with Breath of the Wild was that you had all this empty space, and I, can, I I've always said like, wouldn't it be pretty awesome if you run into this wooded area, and then as you get to the middle of the wooded area, there's this open patch, and like even bring back some of the old classic Zelda bosses, and just you just randomly run across the Dudongo, and now you have to fight this Dudongo with bombs in this wooded area probably catching things on fire as you're fighting. I'm just like, wouldn't that not be epic if they would do this and then actually like bring this into tears of the kingdom. I, I wanted to say back to this 80 hour rant I've been talking about here. First time I ran into a Lionel was last night. And then like I said, I've been exploring this whole world doing side missions. And I'm like, I was like, I remember being Lionel's everywhere in the, in breath of the wild. Finally found my first one yesterday. And I was just I was just going to this one area. I'm like, oh, it looks like a horse. And I start getting closer. I'm like, wait a minute. Open up the camera, zoom in. And then uh oh, I, it gives you the right to the description what it is. And I'm like, not going that way yet, because I'm not I don't think I'm quite powerful enough for, for that. Can I, I also want to say how Tom, I think you mentioned like, oh, well, these temples, I only had struggled with one. There's times where I feel like I, I feel like I'm the smartest person in the world, and there's times where I feel like I'm the dumbest idiot. Where I'm like, you know, just where else you find out? I'm like, I'm when I, after about ten minutes and I cannot figure out the puzzle, I'm opening up YouTube. I'm I'm going to it. I'm like, just show me. I you know I you know I I'm not wasting any more time with this here. And then you're like, oh, all I had to do is use this one thing, and I feel like an idiot. What made me feel like an idiot yesterday 
was I didn't realize that with with the whatever the ultra hand that you can go forward and backwards with the d-pad so i know you can revolve but i also i'm like i kept on just like putting it further away stepping further back grabbing it and then doing it that way not realizing you could just go forward and backwards 80 hours in didn't realize it till about yesterday so yeah my idiot moment was in the uh wind temple where you have that one last door you have to get where it has the cogs and I was building a contraption to connect the two cogs together, but it wants you to use the icicles instead. Mm -hmm. And I sat there for like 10 minutes building different contraptions to get the cogs to turn. I'm like, why isn't it turning? I'm just going to try this icicle and it worked immediately. I'm like, um, oh, I'm dumb. <laughs> my, uh, my dumb temple or shrine moment was there was an item that I had never come across before. It was a Zonai or Zonai item. And to me, it looked like a weight. And it's not. It's uh, it's like a pivot piece, and so it, you use it to fling. The problem is, the minute you hit it, it like makes things stand up. But the problem is, it does work as a weight too. So I spend about 10, 15 minutes in this place trying to figure out how to use it as a proper counterweight to make a super long bridge across this ridiculously long gap. And then by accident, I hit it and realized what it done. And it's like, then it shouldn't have worked as a weight to begin with. <laughs> To be fair, coming from the Midwest, it does look like a fishing counterweight. <laughs> so that's why we thought it was a freaking weight. So, and and that's the thing. That's the only problem with the game is sometimes you need it to hold your hand just a little bit to explain to you if you've never come across this before, what is it and what do you do with it? And sometimes it just like throws something at you. And it's like, here you go. Have fun. Do something. That's like uh, getting through Sidon's temple. Once I had his power, the problem was it bubbled over me. I thought that was it. I thought that was the power. I thought it was going to be utilized to like go through the water or something. I didn't realize it gave you a slash. So I didn't know how to trigger those things for probably another good 10 minutes on that. Yeah. I think you got mad and hit a button and it flung the water and you're like, Oh, well, son of them. Seriously. It's like, Oh, <laughs> now I got it. I have heard this game described as like an Elden Ring level of obtuse uh, with how some of the things are. Perfect example. I was doing a side mission, and I'll describe it as how me my my friend group describe it. Uh, it was a very Mando, extra Mando size uh, side mission because you're watching Mandalorian. All he does is go on side missions the entire time. So we're like, this was an extra long Mando episode right here. It was, I believe, I can't remember if it's for the newspaper. It might have been the newspaper. It was either that or the um to unlock the great fairies. Right? Those those seem to be very long side missions. But one of them was, I believe, I had to talk to the bird, and the bird tells me, go to one place. He literally does not say where any of this is. And I'm like, where the hell am I supposed to go? You know, so, you know, and I, they basically, they don't even tell you. It's just like, oh, this has got to be. And I'm just like, all right, well, I had to find out, go straight to YouTube to find out what I had to do. And I'm like, yeah, there's no way in hell I would have ever gotten this if it wasn't for something pointed out. I also want to thank Nintendo for not properly having a strategy guide ready at launch. Is someone who's bought in every single Zelda strategy guy since Ocarina time. So it still has yet to ship at the time of this recording. So uh, I was supposed to be here by uh, June 12th and it's yet to, to arrive. So anyways, yes. Uh, anyone else have any dumb moments uh, from the yeah. game that made you feel stupid? My dumb moment is, is I get distracted in a lot of games sometimes and I always pick and choose what side quests I do. So I'm just running through, going through stuff and I'm like, searching areas where like i remember where the fit great fairy because we're talking about the great fairies and this i was actually talking about this a little bit in on twitter in our chat that 
I just kept ignoring all these other things in like these side quests. I have, did not do a great fairy quest until my first time last night, which means I've taken down all four dungeons with crap armor level two and three. You're talking about how the game is super easy. Don't level up anything and try to complete and fight some of those bosses, especially like the, the desert boss that can kill you in one hit. You have to do the entire boss fight without being hit or you're dead or you're close to death and you have to constantly keep healing yourself every two seconds. Like it's, it can be very, very tough or it could be very, you can get yourself to be overpowered. But my, but my dumb moment was, is I ignore side quests. I should just constantly look at my side quests, read what they are and be like, am I going to get an item or is this going to take me somewhere where I really should go do before I go take on a boss? Like I, because it would have been much easier had my armor been better to take down some of these bosses. Although even though some of the bosses were still pretty easy without like, like the wind temple boss was a, super easy, but then you go and fight the one in uh, the volcano. And then you fight the one in the desert. Those two bosses were much harder, especially with barely any good armor at all. <laughs> Or my favorite armor set in the game can't even be upgraded, so it doesn't even matter if you have the great fairies unlocked for that one. My yeah. favorite armor comes from the 8-bit amiibo. I love the original Zelda costume, and I will am slowly working on trying to find the every day. I keep trying to get that last piece of that armor, but I've loved that armor. I love that that brown those brown arms. It's just <clears throat> classic to me. It's what I knew Link as, and I pictured if they ever remade the first Zelda game. That's exactly what he would wear in this. Real quick, I want to touch on my dumb moment. So uh, got to the Wind Temple. That was my first temple I tried. And so you get up there and Tulin like runs off to look at something. And I started exploring the dungeon. And so you get to those, what are they, like fans that you have to turn on. And I couldn't figure out how to do it. Like I would hit it. I would shoot stuff at it. I would try to use the fans from the, the Zonai devices to try and get it to move and nothing would happen. I'm like, what am I doing? I spent like 20 minutes exploring this dungeon. Couldn't figure it out. Finally, I found Tulin and I talked to him. I was like, oh, I need to talk to him so he comes with me and then I can use his ability. So I felt really dumb at that point. Yeah, uh, speaking of Tulin, best uh, little upgrade character for you as well. The fact that he shoots arrows at and can usually critical hit your enemies for you, just, that's just peak. He's such a help. So I don't know if this is a dumb moment so much as just weird things popped up in the game. I was trying to uh, do the quest to get the uh, travel, you know, that extra travel point you can add. Because uh, with the quest to get down all the way to Ganon at the end, like, I mean, that's a long, long trek. And if you mess up and you don't have, uh, well, if you're not overpowered, but if you don't have enough things to uh, get the gloom out of your hearts. Like that could be a very difficult battle. So they recommend putting one of those travel points down, but the quest to do the travel point, I needed the scientist guy in uh, the main town to go to his other locations. And at the point I decided to do that quest, I could not get him to leave the main village. He was like, I'm just going to stick here and see what Robbie digs up. And I'm like, what the hell, man? I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I've gone to the other villages, to your places, and it's red notes that you'll come. I got to go talk to you in the main village and you'll come. But you refuse to leave. You just want to stay here with Robbie. So I don't know if I 
did it too late in the game, did it at a point where I was in the end game and I couldn't get him to leave, but I was frustrated that I couldn't move the quest along no matter what I did. So maybe that's on me, but I, I found that frustrating. You know, the one thing though, I'll mention though, cause I, Michael, you're mentioning like the new abilities and I think I felt the same exact way when I saw, I was trying not to watch like the preview for tears of the kingdom. Cause I, I already knew I was buying the game. I think when I originally saw the new abilities, like the make a device, I'm like, I don't want that. But once I got it in my hands, I loved it. Like yeah. I, I love the, the ascend ability, you know, like the first time trying it, I'm like, that was cool. That honestly was really cool because it saved me so much time. I didn't have to climb this whole thing. I just went straight through this whole thing right here. Even stupid stuff ended up being fun. Like the first time I ran across the guy holding up the sign for the president, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is irritating. <laughs> but like I actually had a bunch of fun building these structures to try to keep the sign up. Like I wanted to find them again and again and again. So even though I thought it was so I don't know what the right word is gimmicky, like, you know, Banjo-Kazooie nuts and bolts that you had to build these vehicles and things. It actually ended up being a very cool add-on that added a different element of puzzle solving to the game. So as much as I thought it was gimmicky, it ended up being pretty awesome. Yeah. I thought overall the the powers were better. I think Stump mentioned that in the beginning. They did The Ascend was my favorite by far. I loved being able to just jump through stuff and get to the top. That was really nice. Recall ability was cool. Fuse was okay. I didn't it was fine. Like I obviously used it a lot, but I didn't think it was necessary. I would rather just have weapons that don't break and get more powerful as you find them. But the ultra hand, I hated, I find it. I did find it super gimmicky. And like Tom and Lacey, you mentioned earlier, I used the crafting as little as possible. I never upgraded my energy cells. I had one and that was it. I didn't want anything to do with it. I did enjoy actually helping the, the Hudson signs like that was kind of fun, but crafting machines to kill enemies or to get different places. I hated, I felt like it was Zelda Minecraft and I hate Minecraft. It's just not my style of game. Like open world sandbox type of stuff is not my thing. Maybe it's cause I'm a math teacher and I'm very analytical and linear. I don't like uh, a lot of different ways to do stuff. And so that gimmick just, it really annoyed me which is one of the big reasons it's not one of my favorite Zelda games. Yeah, I, I had a very opposite experience to Ultra Hand. I play Minecraft with my kids. I have a five-year-old who's obsessed with it. So that's a that's a daily in my household is a little bit of, you know, Minecraft time. So for me, getting into this game and having this option to sort of build and explore and be able to do things in a completely unique way to any other Zelda, I was actually all for it. One of the first things I did was max out my battery cells. I had not the first line. You can max it out twice. I got both of them done because I'm like, I'm going to build the dumbest, stupid things. Because one of my favorite side quests actually is the one where you have to ring the gong as hard as possible. And I was building insane contraptions to try to ring that gong. And then you only get like a diamond at the end of it. Um, it was not worth the reward for it. But it was a lot of fun to still do it all that time. Just try to make like different catapults, just ring that bell as hard as humanly possible. But I, I really enjoyed the building aspect of this game. I thought that that was easily the best power. I thought you could get the most creative with it. Fuse, you can get creative in certain ways that it allows you to be creative. So like the first time I fused the cart to my shield and realized I could use it as a skateboard, 
I was like, oh, I can skateboard through Hyrule now. This is amazing. Or the first time I realized you could do that skateboard mechanic to actually glide over gloom areas and not take gloom damage on your shield. So I could just keep jumping and, and shield riding with the cart on my shield and go right over gloom, gloom areas. I was like, that's really cool because they realize I'm not touching the ground. So I was really excited once I found that out. My favorite accidental one was rocket to shield. And once I found that rocket to shield just launches you in the air and you can do slow-mo bow battling. Oh, it was over. Like no, no enemy stood a chance anymore. I just like went to my favorite zone. I device just kept dropping in zone. I charges to get hundreds of rockets. And I was like, all right, I'm set for the game. Now everything's dead. Yeah, see, I was okay. I, I, I didn't like the fusing part, like or the, the building part of the hand, but like it's also kind of like the Magnesis. It's really the same as the Breath of the Wild, except now you can utilize it to put things together with the hot glue or whatever. So it was relatively the same. It so I mean I, I was okay with the new abilities. And the more I kept playing the game, the more I kept thinking about to the older Zelda games. We always don't, you know, we don't want vehicles. We don't want all this stuff. But you got to remember, like, you think about some of the things that happened in older Zelda games. It was there. Like, especially like Skyward Sword. They had the ancient technology. And then when they finally give us the ancient technology, we don't want it. Like, so it's not like it's not part of Zelda's lore. It's there. It's just kind of off to the side. They've always had these weird gimmicky things like, you know, like a wand that can create like the little platform in A Link to the Past. We love A Link to the Past, but you get, you have to get that little wand that creates that little platform to move around in the later dungeons. That's still kind of a gimmicky thing. And that's all they're really doing is giving us more gimmicky things. It's just in a bigger scale. We have a more bigger open world that we have. We can get more creative than what we were able to back then. So I, I hated the abilities at first, but the more I think about it, the more I think about the weird stuff that happened in older, older Zelda games, even Link's Awakening when, you know, like they started out in Mario stuff with like, you know, the chained uh, ball or whatever. I mean, like, well, this is from Mario, but it's here. Like it, it's, it's always been kind of part of Zelda. It's just now it's more in the forefront that like now it's in our face that like now we have to actually think about it when we never questioned it before. Just to be clear, to jump in, most of us didn't want uh, didn't want Skyward Sword. So this ancient technology, none of, none of us just wanted it. It was just terrible. Hey, some but, of us did. Okay, it's the <laughs> second best Zelda game. I don't know about that. Okay, you're right. I Third, the I'm sorry. The story sorry. is Third what best. kills it. Is what it's for me. For Skyward Sword's story is what I love about the game. Oh, Not necessarily. But the dungeons too, like they had, it had actual still real dungeons and boss fights that even Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom still didn't give us. Uh, that we'll that get was to, we'll get to Skyward Sword spent, next year. Yeah, I spent like an I, hour. I don't, or two. I don't know about next year even. I don't know if I want to do it next year. <laughs> How much I hate that game. Um, I spent like an hour or more in a dungeon in Skyward Sword where I ran through. Here, turn on these five switches with your new companion's ability and then fight a boss and finish that off in like 20 minutes. Yeah, but I, I, I'm i also like, I'm also trying to lump in the get you there to that dungeon as part of the dungeon. I mean, like, I, I spent... I'm going to sound like probably an idiot again, but like for that 
lightning storm or the lightning temple that sandstorm i was just like i'm like where i found the first one and i'm just like where the hell are these other pillars and then as an idiot you just had to follow the light and it's gonna take you where you're gonna go but here i am combing the desert and eventually i get out of the storm i'm like all the way south i'm like what the hell so you go right back to the starting point again go here and then i'm all the way left i'm like oh man so in the meantime I keep finding all these other, you know, these whatever they what what do they call them? What was it? The Gibdos? Gibdos, yes. They reminded me of the Redeads from Ocarina of Time when I first saw them. I'm like, oh, they bring back Redeads. I'm like, that's kind of cool. The battle there, like I said, the ascension to the Sky Temple was all those pillars, and you have to glide and up. And same thing with the the Water Temple. You had to clean the the muck and then do the waterfall, like the water jumping with the the suit. I, I'm lumping all that in there as I guess part of the the temple. I know it's it would have been better if they're more contained, but this I guess felt, felt more of the open world element well, of it. Well, see, Skyward Sword it was more contained. You still had the lead up to the dungeon. You still drop down into specific spots of the map. You go to three areas in Skyward Sword. <laughs> three, you, you, and then you go back to that same three areas. No good. No good. Still had great more, areas. You had more dungeons than. It still was three. it still had traditional dungeons. Yeah, so you know that's it's, an improvement because they went up from three to four. So you know, so <laughs> it's, an improvement. it's an improvement. It just had a gimmicky yeah. motion controls. Strip that away. When they did the switch port, they probably should have just put in actual like Ocarina of Time gameplay. Then it would have dev but which still I still love the story to that game. But when you're talking about what well, going back to the Gibdos, I wanted to make a comment on that. The first thing I, the first time I saw a Gibdo and I saw that they were coming in in Tears of the Kingdom, my first thought is, please don't scream so I can't move. <laughs> you know, back to gameplay for a moment here, and I know some of the, the mechanics. I always felt like I was really smart and original when I saw an idea. Like maybe if I take this rock and shoot it right back at the like, like that will that will hurt it and you did it I'm like yes and you go and you, you you kill it i'm like man i'm so smart and then you see people are making x-wings they're completely just having that like whatever these giant you know transformers making like they're beating the bosses i'm like oh boy i'm stupid here and you can surf over the uh or skateboard over the was the, the muck basically right so I feel like an idiot, you know. You I do know. miss stasis. Talking about flinging stuff around, I mm. miss stasis from Breath of the Wild. I, because when I'm doing dungeon one. stuff, I'm like, I just want to be able to freeze this ball mm. and hit it and then throw it to where I need to go rather than spend 10 minutes building a contraption to smack it to hit it. I'm like, I could have just did this with stasis in like about 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, thought... you could do it in five seconds in this game as well and just add a rocket to it. <laughs> true yeah. there you go i, I think it, it's, it's very cool the stuff you could build with ultra hand and stuff like i would be scrolling through facebook and all of a sudden something would pop up and they're like look how i beat ganondorf or look at this cool x-wing i made and it's very cool i just don't want to take the time to do it i know you get you can get auto build later on which is a huge help but it's just i don't want to take the time to build it the first time um, but but cap do you appreciate the fact that you can beat the game without even having to do that. Yes, exactly. Which I'm glad it has that option. Like if I was forced to do that, I would hate this game. Like it would be a bottom tier game for me. I would never want to touch it. It's, it is nice that we have options. 
I kind of want to touch on the, the open world aspect a little bit. I am not a huge fan of open world games in general. I find it kind of find them overwhelming because like you get distracted so easily. And I do like how tears of the kingdom is, has a lot more to do than breath of the wild, but still there'd be times where I would go to play and I'd have, I'd have a couple hours of play cause the kids were napping or something. And I would feel like I didn't get anything done. Sure. I got some shrines done or maybe I upgraded some armor, but it just, I, it wasn't what I wanted to do, but I just got distracted by it, you know, but I still, I wanted to do it. It just, it took so long to do stuff. And I think if a game like this came out when I was a kid, I would love it because I had time, but now as an adult and I have, uh, yeah, I got kids and stuff. I don't have as much time to play a hundred hours game. Like you just look at breath of the wild. I put 150 hours into that game and hundred percent of it. Here's the kingdom. I put 80 in. So almost or a little bit more than half the amount of time. And I just wanted to be done with it. Not that I wasn't enjoying it, but it's just like, I want to move on to a different game. And so when you make a game so large, at least where I am at my, in my life at this point, it's just, it's overwhelming. And it's not, not really what I'm looking for. I could definitely understand that criticism, but the last open world game I played before this was uh, Elden Ring. And Elden Ring, I always felt like had a roadblock somewhere no matter where i turned and i had to spend a great deal of time figuring out how to either level myself up to overcome that roadblock or get somewhere else or find a different path where as this game never had that issue like if there was a roadblock there was some sort of something i could do creatively where i was at that point in the game to get past it and there was nothing that could stop me from doing it that's something i, I really really appreciate about it is that this whole open world, even though it can be overwhelming, there's always something to help guide you just that little bit to that next target, whether it's like the light of a shrine or you see one of the, uh, the etchings in the ground when you're up in the sky to go ahead and get you the next dragon's tier, or you see the labyrinth floating in the air and you're like, huh, I wonder what that's about. Um, there's always something to kind of like point you in a direction to someplace you want to be or something that's going to reward you. And like, I never felt any of my time was wasted. Well, as I say, just to add on to it, I think that kind of goes back to the, the point I was talking about with Caleb, where we're saying like, the developer put that there to make sure you see that, and then maybe you're going to go that area. Like, that's intentional. Like, you see, you're hovering in the air, you see that ground print on the air. Oh, there's something over there. I'm going to go that way. Yeah, I ended up getting the Master Sword super early before I even got the quest to get it, because it did the Dragon Tears so darn early in the game and i already had three rolls of stamina so i was like okay yeah i can just pull out the master sword it doesn't require hearts this time great and then i jumped off the light dragon and then realized oh this is going to be a pain in the butt to get back to to farm materials for so that's when i upgraded the battery because i needed to get two thousand meters in the air to get to the light dragon again <laughs> Yeah, I was going to touch up on, see, I absolutely love open world games when they're done correctly. Um, like you where you have the option to where you can like in the Tears of the Kingdom where you can streamline getting from point A to B and you can skip all the other stuff. That's why The Witcher 3, Assassin's Creed Origins, Odyssey, even like like consider Skyrim and like uh, the Elder Scrolls uh, series and Fallout is because you don't have to go do that stuff. You don't have to go get distracted, do that stuff. You can just click on, I'm going to activate the main quest and go do it. Sometimes you might hit a roadblock and figure out, okay, well, this this isn't progressing. I might have to do some side quests to get it going again. 
But I love open world games where it does push you into knowing where you need to go. I've run into a lot of roadblocks with Elden Ring. I actually finally got through and ended up 100%ing the game and got the platinum trophy. But there were times I actually had to look stuff up. So there is a right way and a wrong way to do open world games. I love the freedom to be able to run around and just spend hours to do nothing. But but still feel like I've done something, but still do nothing. So really quickly, I just wanted to ask what everybody thinks an open world game is. Because if I think open world, like I go all the way back to Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time was an open world game. Uh, you know, most of the Grand Theft Auto games are open world games. And I think this is where my little bit of my frustration with the way Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, and Tears of the Kingdom work is that one of the great things about those games and about the Legend of Zelda, really even the first Legend of Zelda game is an open world game. It might not be a 3D masterpiece, but it's an open world game, was the fact that it was more linear and you had to do certain quests to get certain items to move along. They intentionally made both Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom non-linear and it took away some of that magic like there wasn't places that i can't get to until i get to a certain point in the game or i need a certain item and stuff like that you're given everything right off the bat and they're just like go wild i i, I will say i really do miss that i miss finding you know the raft so i can get to a different part in the village or i miss finding the magic whistle so uh, some of those elements that i love from the original games I do find that missing from this game and everybody gives it a huge, like, Oh, I love open world games. These have always been open world games. That's my point. They've never not been open world. I, th I think yeah. for me, it's just, it's the sheer size of this world, you know, and you hit it perfectly with it. Non-linear. I definitely prefer my games more linear. I want to be able to have to get certain things before I go places. Otherwise, like I said before, it just becomes a little too overwhelming and I don't know where I want to go next. Do I want to do a side quest? Do I want to go with the main quest? And one of the ways I kind of decide how I like Zelda games is what's the likelihood I'm going to go back and replay it. I have replayed Twilight Princess and Ocarina of Time, A Link to the Past, Skyward Sword plenty of times, multiple times. I'm never going to play Breath of the Wild again. I'm never going to play Tears of the Kingdom again because it's too large. There's too much I'm going to want to do. Because sure, I can just go the main quest and do it that way, but I'm going to want to do the other stuff. I enjoy doing side quests in Zelda games. All the Zelda games up to Breath of the Wild, and including Breath of the Wild, I always 100%ed because I wanted to do everything. But now that Breath of the Wild 100% kind of ruined it for me because it's so much to do. Like Tears of the Kingdom, I want nothing to do with getting everything. Like I finished Ganondorf, I'm never going to touch it again. I think what comes down to for me personally is like it's it's it, like I'd like to have the linear games, but it comes down to I think having more to do like that makes the game more replayable. It makes it feel like it's worth the value of what you spent on that game. Do you want to spend the, the cost of what games are now on a game that you can spend hundreds of hours in or a game you can beat in 15 hours and never touch again? And that's where it comes down to, well, then maybe I should wait for that game to be on a, a really cheap sale. So I feel like for the value of a full price game and being able to spend hundreds of hours and doing random stuff, I feel the value of that is worth more than something I'm going to be in like a couple days and then never touch again or not touch for years. That's a weird value proposition. Uh, like, I don't think time spent in the game definitely negates to how, how valuable the game is. 
Uh, last month's podcast was River City Girls, right? I spent 58 bucks on this, which has the first two games in it, and I beat both of them in 14 hours. Does that mean that I wasted that much money because I got had to spend like $3 an hour of gameplay? No, it was great the entire time through. I had an amazing time with it. It's It just all depends on the style of game that it is. And like, if you feel like you got your money's worth of it at that point. Yeah, fair point. Yeah, I, I, I would agree to that too. I'll, I'll just say it's, I think another reason why I'm not, as much as I wanted to have this game beaten by now and I haven't, is that it's like every every six years, five, six years, we get a Zelda game. It's not like there's one every year, basically, where I'm like, yeah. I'm trying to, as I said, it's one of my favorite franchises, right? So I'm, I'm trying to enjoy it. as much as I'm already like trying to plan for what I'm going to play next. And I agree. I'll probably play something really short after this here. Zelda's special, at least to me. And I don't know. Like I said, I'm, I'm just taking my time with it. I'm enjoying the hell out of it. I agree with that. We don't get Zelda games as often. It's not like in the new Assassin's Creed we get like every year, every other year, or the new Call of Duty that we get like every year because they have different studios. We get don't get Zelda for long periods of time. The next Zelda after Tears of the Kingdom, what what how what do you think the time frame is for the next Zelda? We don't know. There's always that rumor that they're going to remake uh, Oracle of Ages and Seasons, like they did Link's Awakening, but. We don't know. So here's a game with Zelda that we could spend the next couple years to just play to hold us over till Nintendo gives us another title. I, I always believe with, when it comes to Nintendo, the next one then for at least for Zelda will be a 2D version next. And then if if Breath of the Wild 3 comes out, whatever, and there's a delay. I, I re, You already know, and I know I've seen Michael talk about this. I've, I've heard Cap ask about this. You know the HD switch, or the you know the ports are going to come for for Wind Waker and Twilight Princess. You know they just keep that in their back pocket for when there's a delay or a slow year in Nintendo games because they can put it out and it's going to sell. We're all going to rebuy it. It's just what it is. The stuff that they know, like I know, eventually somewhere down the line there will be an Ocarina of Time remake. I know there will be, but it's like a back pocket thing because they know they're going to make money on it. That's the stuff that when like something goes wrong, like. Metroid Prime 4 getting announced what like six years ago and still not coming out. That's that like I said, like that's the stuff that when Nintendo's like, crap, we don't have that Zelda game for Christmas this year, put this out because we know it'll fill in the spot for us. Yeah, no, you you had to hit that the nail on the head with that one because mm-hmm. while we're waiting for Metroid Prime 4 that was announced pretty much when the Switch came out, mm-hmm. that now they're at a point where it's gone through different changes. They're like, oh, well, here here's the remastered of Metroid Prime 1. We're going to do part two, and then we're going to do part three. But again, it's, it's their back pocket stuff. Mm-hmm. I know, Michael, you wanted to talk about the story here for a moment here but can i just say how i felt this game had like an amazing opening i absolutely loved the opening granny it starts off with you just slowly walking through a dungeon and then what's it called you you did, did you lose your arm or is it just getting morphed uh robbie's arm getting morphed to you i can't oh you sure lose it yeah. you get it cut off <laughs> okay because i was gonna say also the next thing you know you wake up with that goat arm <laughs> and then you go go on your way sorry <laughs> but, yeah 
but, needs but, a manicure. <laughs> I, and then, I mean, eventually you do the up, upstairs layer, right? In the, in the sky. And then the drop. And then you see the title screen. I was just like, as soon as I did that drop, I was like, all right, this is awesome. I absolutely loved the whole descent down. And eventually they do the, you know, like press R and you'll do the head diver right into the water. That was one of the, like, the best openings in a long time for me in a video game where I absolutely loved the opening. I, I felt like this was a good starting point and segue to the story. Actually, I th- I would agree with you because thinking about it, as much as we love the other Zelda games even more, I can't think of a Zelda game that had a better end, a better opening at least. That had, I mean, the, granted, the older ones didn't really have much to give us. I mean, like with the NES and SNES, they were limited to technology, but it had a. I, I agree that it had such an amazing opening, and I don't even. To be honest with you, I don't even remember Breath of the Wild's opening, and that shows how memorable Tears of the Kingdom's opening was versus Breath of the Wild's opening. When you say Tears of the Kingdom's opening, though, I mean Tears of the Kingdom's opening was is long. It wasn't like it was just an opening, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you're climbing down in that dungeon. The point you're talking about is like some points for some people, like four hours in. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was about right. an hour long. That's a that's an hour long mm-hmm. opening. Yeah, it's uh, like an, even if you're doing it fast, I guess you could speed run certain things. But like if you're still exploring, you don't know the uh, the build mechanics right off the bat. Yeah, it's about an hour. I felt it was a great opening. It was a great introduction. It was a lot better than just running out into the Great Plateau in Breath of the Wild, which I was like, oh, okay, just big open area. This one is just like, hey, big open area in the sky and i was like "Ooh, this is better <laughs> now you said that you liked the opening from breath of the wild i did it honestly though tears of the kingdom was a copy and paste opening because you know something happens you hear zelda's voice telling you to wake up you're in a bed or a pool or whatever it is and then you get up and you're naked and you have to figure out how to get out of this weird cave slash shrine thing you're in and then you come out and you get to you know you, you, you get in the world. So, I mean, it was, it, they were really copied and pasted. They did I, the exact well, same thing. I feel like Breath of the Wild just wanted to hurry up and throw you into the game, but Tears wanted to like build up that story element. And I did want to add, I actually love <laughs> the duality of Link and Zelda when they're looking at the ruins down in that cave. And Zelda's like so thrilled. <laughs> I mean, she's gushing excitement at these ruins. And Link is just. He's so stoic. Like, yep, yep. I'm gonna catch a lizard and cook it with some stuff later on. But, you know, so the the difference in personality right there was was so good. Like, it really kind of cements the kind of uh, the again the duality that they have with one another. Has just, anyone gone back to? I don't want to put too much spoilers, but has anyone gone back to Link's house? Oh, yes. yeah, that was the first yeah. thing in, I, in, in, in reading, I loved that house, and I reading, made it go back to it. <laughs> in reading what was in there, that I don't want to spoil it, but reading what was in there, and then I'm going to stop there. Oh, <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I want to bring this back, though, because I think Michael was getting to a point there at the beginning where, like, Calamity Ganon was a thing. In, in the first game, it was a spirit in 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 my head, in my head, from all the Zelda games I've played, Ganon was destroyed, right? He could not be, but his soul and his spirit was still around and alive, right? And he caused all this havoc and blah, 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 blah. Somehow he's back, right? 
he's he's back in human form, which I love because that's what I wanted. I wanted Ganondorf back in Ganon form, Ganondorf form, I should say. I wanted him back, and they did that. And I was as soon as I saw that, that's all they needed to show me in the original trailer. Just show me Man Ganon again. I'm like, good. That's what I want. Um, and I love the fact that, like, canonically, he is what the because the Gerudos they're a female race, but like the prophecy always kind of is like whoever. <laughs> Whenever every hundred years a man is born to them and he'll be their leader, right? And they stick with that. I love that part about it too. They never quite explain what happened with that. And like I mean, Zelda does go back in time in this game though, too. She goes back in time because Rauru Rauru and his his wife, they're like the, the original like gods of Hyrule, right? So does this yeah. go back even before Skyward 2? Because Skyward, I think, is canonically the first game. Well, I know it's canonically the first game in the Zelda series. But they go all the way back, because then that would be before... It's it's Zelda's always been kind of a mess. I mean, it's got multiple branching timelines. One thing I, I saw online, and it makes perfect sense, the, the timeline this falls in, Breath of the Wild and, and Tears of the Kingdom, is it falls down the Wind Waker timeline. And the main reason why it falls down that timeline... Is because it has the uh, the Ritos, the Ritos, 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 um, and those people that rate that species is an evolution of the Zoras, that you know th that only takes place in the Wind Waker timeline. So, and they're in this game, so that means it, it canonically falls down where Link dies and the sages flood Hyrule. But yeah, like I said, it's a mess. It's a mess still, and it's I guess like. I, like I said, as I, as of this recording, I have not you know finished it, so there's no explanation for the spirit going back into maybe did, like go into somebody. Yeah, well, time travel has always been part of Zelda. Um, I agree with the the Wind Waker timeline because you find rock salt in areas that you're not by the sea, so it makes sense that there might be rock salt somewhere here because the the waters underneath so i agree with it being in the wind waker timeline as far as like the, the the timelines are all over the place i always looked at it this way the butterfly effect link is time traveled in multiple games he's done things does that trigger something else we i mean they try to sort of explain it in hyrule historia but that's just in my mind i just take each game as it is i try to link it together a little bit be like oh well how would this link to this one but i don't put like like stress over it too much if it's completely off but yeah I, I i agree i like it so i'll go back to what i started in the opening what does calamity ganon have to do with ganondorf is there a connection how in god's name does not princess zelda get back there and be like hey roru uh ellie we fought this thing called calamity ganon it's so weird this guy ganon's here now and he's red yeah like did, did, does anybody else like did i just miss it am i dumb did they connect the dots no not to my understanding so i from what i remember from reading hyrule historia i could go grab it but i don't want to get i got it, it here um it's like ganon or ganondorf was like the name of the leader that's born into the village every hundred years like they name him the same thing so it being Calamity Ganon and this person being Ganondorf necessarily isn't linked to them. So because maybe it's just something that they see throughout history, like this guy named Ganon existed, whatever. Um, 
like because I guess not all the time he's trying to murder people unless we want to have fifty thousand games in this series. Well, you know, um, I, sorry, I, I just this guy just beat this is fresh on my mind from yesterday because I beat the Lightning Temple yesterday, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on her name the the one who eventually becomes like the leader in the Sage um, Rija. Rija, Rija, yeah, right, Rija or Rija. Uh, she's she talks about Ganon, or like she when she's talking with the spirit, they said like he was like I think a great leader and he was a great person, but he was obsessed with power. Where they thought you know this is gonna be our leader because he's our prophecy, and you know sure enough he had his quest for power that he took it over and became the demon god. I guess the way I always kind of looked at the relationship between Calamity Ganon and Ganondorf in Tears is that Calamity Ganon almost seemed like the uh, the essence of the, the evil power that Ganon had throughout the, the ages of Hyrule, all the history of the games. And that was kind of its almost like last hurrah, like, oh, I, I can't come back, so my evil will just spread across this land and infect every part of it. But when Link and Zelda defeated the Calamity, it's almost like maybe it awoke something in Ganon the Man, which the Calamity was kind of like seeping out of, and maybe that's why he came back, you know, like it was kind of that, that tipping of the scale, you know, because it's always about the balance of the three, which seems to be why they keep reincarnating and coming back. Like that balance has to exist. So that was how I took it. And that's how I thought the relationship was. If you wanted to argue it, I guess you could say maybe that's why both instances kind of start at Hyrule Castle, because that's where he is buried deep, deep underneath with a goat man hand in his chest. I've always yep. taken it the same way. Like, I agree with you completely. That's how I always viewed it as well. Is Link infected? Because anytime you get a shrine, right, and you get the like shrine of light, a little bit of, of red steam comes out of your arm, right? Like, I was always saying, like, okay, I'm I'm curing myself, or I'm, like, uninf- uninfecting myself with this this whatever demon that's inside me kind of thing. Is, is there any truth to that? He's more infected with an STD from all the fairies that he spends mm. too much time with. <laughs> that's, that's something different. Mm. No, I think I think you you might be onto something because this essence, and maybe it's going to be held for DLC. And again, I but I haven't played through the game. I feel like that essence would be a good segue to a dark link, shadow link, like a shadow. This, link. this is shadow resolved with the end of this game. Ah, so uh, I I'll I'll let you know that. There, there is in the ending of this game, there is something that happens. You will be fine, but yeah, essentially, what you're doing is you're cleansing the damage that Ganon did or Ganondorf did to you with those upgrades. So it's like essentially because you in the beginning of the game, you see that all your hearts get drained and everything like that. You're just getting that back. You're just restoring a piece of yourself. So that that's all there is to it. You're yeah. just, well, I thought he crafted a potion and he just used he just used some cream or something to put on it. <laughs> Although yeah, maybe yeah, Ganon could come man, back yeah. once more, and then this time he has Link's hand, and you know the one he chopped off at the beginning, and that's you're getting to evil Ash versus Evil Dead and yeah. stuff like that. It works. <laughs> I'm starting to like this evil Link, evil Ash comparison here. You know that actually give me uh for Breath of the Wild three. I'm starting to like that. We saw a Jedi lose their hand before, you know, fighting an evil darkness. So. Seems to be a theme. Yeah, it's a our hand fighting yeah. Evil. yeah, I mean, but he's got the Triforce, not just the Force. So he's he's he's. Uh, <laughs> <a bull. laughs> 
so yeah, I'm sorry if this is uh, jumping ahead or if this is spoilers for anybody. Was anybody else really disappointed by the lack of Triforce in these games? Or it, like, I found that really like the Sage of Stones giving people power and stuff like that. I'm like, this feels like a departure as well. There's so many things that are departures, like the weapons breaking, everything like that. Maybe the move away from the Triforce uh, probably just. F- that's what feels like this is not about Zelda at all sometimes. Right. The lore is so important in Zelda games and the Triforce is a huge part of the lore. And I think I agree. It's, it's something that needs to be there. Like there's obviously some things with the lore, right? You got the same characters and you got the sages and you've got um, obviously Ganondorf and Link and Zelda, but without the Triforce, it's just not quite the same. And there's, there's kind of like different nods to it here and there and stuff, but it's, it's not, right there in your face like i think it should be yeah i think so too i think the most we've seen it and i haven't seen it really much in tears of the kingdom but i think the most we've seen the triforce was in breath of the wild where you just see it lights up on the back of their hand and that's a that's really about it maybe it's something that will be touched on because and i only say this because nintendo's come out and said hey like the open world 3d zelda so this is the formula going forward for at least a little while maybe there will be a a third game which is unlike Zelda, usually they don't do too many sequels. Usually it's on to the next Zelda game, right? Only like, there's only, there's a there's one that's a three-pack. If you follow the timeline, it's Ocarina, Majora, and then Twilight Princess. That follows that same timeline. And literally, those are the three that are kind of a sequel to each other. There isn't really any other Zelda one. Zelda like 1 that. and 2 are sequels to each other. But like a three-pack kind of thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, and maybe... Trilogy? Yeah, like a trilogy. And the only reason I say that is because, like, you're right. They're, they're really, I didn't think about this till just now. But literally, there there is like no references really to the Triforce in this game whatsoever. You see, you see that classic Zelda logo though, like the bird logo. It's just missing the Triforce that's usually like below or above it. It's like that's not there, but the bird is. So like maybe it's something that's like missing from that. Like you build to and you come back. Maybe they, maybe they have this way planned out more. I don't know. Just thinking right now. The Link to the Past had multiple sequels, though, because that carries on to the ages, seasons, and even the Link Between Worlds. But that was more of a quadrilogy. But they usually try to stick away from what they'll do a few, but then they move on from it. Um, I think maybe Nintendo's potentially they're thinking that we should al- at this point already just assume that Zelda has the, twi- uh, the, the Triforce of Wisdom, Link has courage, and Ganon has power. So the Triforces are there. They're just not like present because they already obtained and have those Triforces with them. And maybe that is what Nintendo's thought is. Maybe. Uh, I think it's actually a lot closer than you guys think. The, I mean, uh, Rocket, you know that your favorite, I know that your favorite is all those Ocarina of Time. In the beginning, it explains that the Triforce was created by the, the three goddesses, mm-hmm. Din, Feroz, and Nadra, are dragon's names are Feroche, Dinral, and Nadra. So those are your three elemental dragons in the sky. So they're probably working something, especially when you figure out what happens with the light dragon, that those will become something else, and then the Triforce will be reintroduced at that point. But that, those naming, you know, the fact that they're named that, uh, it's pretty obvious that they're going to something with it, because they wouldn't name them that for no reason at all, other than just name recognition. But just to be argumentative here, wouldn't they have already had to create the Triforce? Because essentially, these were gods 
that ate their sage stones because that's how you become a dragon. That's what we were told. So wouldn't they have already had to create the Triforce or are they going to turn back into their previous form like Zelda did? Something I was thinking was, you know, when you think of like the gods going through in the lore of Wind Waker and, and they, they flood Hyrule and everything, it's like maybe the gods are kind of working like the old man at the end of Gremlins saying, you guys aren't ready for this yet, so we're going to take this away. We're going to take this Triforce away. But I do like, uh, I, I like that idea that the gods, maybe they created the Triforce, but you could work in that to hide it away because people aren't ready for it. They ate their stones. They became the dragons. So they're still there until a time comes when they are ready. Otherwise, personally, I've always looked at it as the Triforce, instead of being an actual item, you know, though the legend may claim that it was an item, you could chalk it up to mistranslation, stories passed down through generations. But the Triforce exists as an essence, and it's tied to Link, Zelda, and Ganon. And that's kind of the curse of it, because they always want to bring that balance, that peace back to Hyrule but they can't because there's always going to be that part of it that kind of represents that pull, that push for power. So there's always going to be a figure like Ganon, you know, kind of usurping that balance. But you had an interesting theory about the end of Tears. Yeah, at the end of Tears of the Kingdom, without trying to spoil anything, it still took three people, three different sage powers to put Ganon in his place. So, I mean, you still had the three at the end of the game. Put him in his place. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I wanted to mention really quick was this is what kind of throws a lot of these rumors out there. The Master Sword, very specifically in this game, is the Master Sword from Skyward Sword. Like, even to the point that it even makes the noises from the Master Sword in the game. So, did anybody else pick up on that? This is yeah, not like a totally general master sword. In it. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. picked that 100%. up actually. I actually picked that up at the end of Breath of the Wild before playing Tears of the Kingdom. Because if you remember, if you've done all the memories, Zelda says, I can no longer hear the voice in the sword, referencing Fee. Well, that's good because Fee sucks. <laughs> Better than Navi. No, no, no. Listen, oh, listen. I like uh, Master Short Pants. <laughs> <laughs> Quick question, I guess for everybody too, we can run through this here. What temple order did you play that through? What like because it's all random, you can go anywhere you want. And again, I guess the game does halfly has like a proper way. Like the the tier the dragon tiers have an order, right? But you can go get them any, any way you want. If you did get them and you want to hear the story about the master sword, I did not do it. In the correct order, but I'm curious of what everyone else did in the correct order. And I only want to get to this point because I think it relates just a little bit to the story. Cap, what was your order for the temples that you did it in? I went wind, fire, water, and then lightning. Adam? I went uh I'm trying to think. I went wind, water, fire, and then the desert. Stump? I did wind, fire, lightning, water. Tom? I did wind, lightning, water, fire. And then we found Captain Planet and we saved the day. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Wind, water, hurt what? with our powers combined. <laughs> I said that actually on there, stream. There is that when secret you were getting the wings of them. I was I the I, first thing I said is that can I summon Captain Planet? <laughs> Did anybody else get a also like a uh, 
um avengers vibe with the whole like thanos gauntlet kind of thing too oh, with, with this the the you know the rings the coin, and the hand yeah. and uh, i'm like stones. oh well, this Which is gonna be fun. Actually, we're gonna snap our fingers and it's all over this need to call that's, infinity stones one of the things that actually uh i still am trying to accept and get used to and i saw this prevalent in that side uh, age of calamity is we're not used to link having a team to be a part of like an avengers team like i now have these people backing up when he's been primarily just a solo hero going and doing all these things through these trials without the help of like having these avatars or these other companions with him so i yeah i feel the avengers vibe Michael, what was your what was your uh, temple order? I tried to do the same order that I did with uh, Breath of the Wild. Uh, talk about dumb moments. I also spent the majority of my time uh, doing forty temples so I could get all the hearts needed to get the Master Sword because I did not did do any reading on how the Master Sword was different this time. So then I got my forty hearts, and then I was like, "Oh, stamina." That sucks. So I, I did the temple order the exact same as well. I did uh, I did water, wind, desert, and then uh, fire. Uh, I, I believe the correct order, and I don't have the strategy guy, but I believe the correct order is for the game is wind, fire, water, lightning. At least according to Zelda Dungeon, that's how it, it's listed. And I kind of I think it kind of makes sense because I did lightning yesterday, and I was like, and just kind of how the story vibes. Uh, I almost feel like like doing wind and water first is doing yourself a, like the service for the story because I think if anything those two temples had the weakest story in my opinion, but like just doing like just starting to the that's where I'm at right now starting to do the the fire temple right now um, that whole story right now with like one of the story elements going around is like everyone sees Zelda right she's always like making appearance at their temple they're like oh i just saw zelda uh or you know like uh, the goron just was like he was wearing the mask but it was controlling his mind and he's like well zelda gave this to me and they're like well she went that way so like you know like there's always like where people are seeing her but she's not there right so it's one of those things where it says these weird like i don't know it's, it's weird but it's great like i said like i i, I like that i loved to like how with the gerudo story i was like okay this is kind of interesting too where I think the story elements and then, uh, I don't know, like just like how it was building to where I think if I would have done it in that order, it would probably be more of a even stronger story element if I did it in that water, fire, wind, well, sorry, wind, fire, water, lightning. I think the story would have played just a little bit stronger, better up, but that's the game's design is that you can go wherever you want and get this distracted lightning and water were the strongest for me story-wise as far as like in the lead up so mm -hmm. yeah just thought just the thoughts um any do you guys have any like side missions you did that like you would recommend like you have to play the side mission like uh because there's 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 like there's missions where like you, you did something and you're like and I only say this is because talking amongst friends playing this game. One one guy did a side mission. He got the big Bagongo sword from from Ocarina of Time. And I'm like, well, I don't know where the hell that's at. You know, like, and he's like, oh, I'm working the fierce, De fierce Deity Mask, which is great because in Breath of the Wild, I believe all that was just DLC behind an amiibo. But all that stuff is available with the exception of Opona, which I still can't believe they can't give Opona in this game away. You have to have the amiibo for it. Everyone, 
else is very much like that, right? Where it's available and you don't need DLC. Was there any side missions that did such thing? Or did you just have to find it in the random? Or what, what stood out to you about like any side mission or get up? Oh, there's a, there's a few. Most of them have to do with armor. So doing the Fierce Deity armor to get the Fierce Deity sword was a lot of fun. And that was the first armor set that I worked hard to go ahead and get all the way max level. Even before that, you when you go to your old house and you find out that it's been redecorated by somebody who essentially kicked you out of your house, she left a journal there and you go and you find an upgraded version of your tunic. And you can upgrade that even further if you ride on the light dragon and collect all the parts and it takes hours. Um, <laughs> but you can get it in it. It's like one of the strongest pieces of armor in the game. I think it's like a plus 44 chess piece, which is ridiculous. But my absolute favorite was the labyrinths. The labyrinth side missions. Like you go in there, you find out that one of the people from the zone I research team was there. And you kind of like have to follow their trail of acorns to find your exact way throughout throughout the labyrinth uh, on the surface. Then go to the labyrinth up above. Then go to the depths and fight a boss. It's pretty amazing overall. And then you are rewarded with the evil spirit armor, which has no upgrades, but it has some of the best uh, like stat boosts in the game because you get like the sneak ability. So you can be super super quiet but then bone proficiency is up so if you shoot things with gibdo bones off of your uh, bow they're gonna do three three point two times the damage than they would normally um same thing with bone equipped weapons as well that you fuse on there so it just even though you have very low armor stat of 12 <laughs> essentially with this set you have some your glass cannon and it's a lot of fun I really like the uh, the Misco's treasure side quest just because, uh, you know, obviously the reward of the armor sets that you would get, you you got some great armor pieces. But the lead up to finding them, the very strong puzzle aspects, it, it felt very Zelda-like because you were given clues on where to go to try to find this cave. And then once you found the cave, you still had to work your way through and try to figure it out. The other one that I really liked were the, uh, even though it was such a small thing, the monster control squad. So they're like bringing peace back to Elden and bringing peace back to Akala. It's, it's nothing because all you do is you meet up with these people and then you go into battle with them. You, you fight a monster, you know, arena area and, uh, and that's it. But the fact that it felt very organic in the world, these people know who Link is. They recognize him as this, you know, this great swordsman. And while you have this dude over here, who's got a bucket for a helmet and he's holding him off as his weapon. It's like, he gets to fight alongside the, the great swordsman Link and everything. And it felt organic in the world. And that that's how it seems like it should be. You know, they're not all relying on Link to just save them. They're actually trying to do their own thing. But if they have the chance to fight alongside this guy, awesome. So I liked it just because of that that feeling that it really felt tied to the story and the like the culture of Hyrule, I guess. I just like watching the big tree dance when you gave him the Clorox seeds. <laughs> That's like my favorite part. Yeah. Clorox seeds, I, I always called them the golden poops, you know? Yeah. The golden yeah. poops. Yeah. But, you know, have you ever gone up to that? What was, what's his name? Hestu. Hestu. Have you ever gone up to him without your clothes on? No. Yeah, go naked up next to him next time. Oh, and talk to Pura with no clothes yeah, on. Yeah, talk to Pura with no clothes on too. It's fun. 
Nice. Don't uh, ask I'll me. Have to, I'll have to do that. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll fire it up again and do that. <laughs> uh, as for side quests, I, I always like getting the different armors just because they're fun to see what they do and stuff. But one of the side quests I enjoyed, and it's a very small one, but uh, it's called oh, what was it? A deal with the statue. And so it's right underneath the landing. This this girl keeps hearing a voice behind a wall. So you have to like break down the rock and you find this horn statue. And he actually gives you the ability to swap stamina with hearts. So depending on how you want to play. Um, and I didn't I didn't use it at all, but it would be nice, like Mike was saying earlier, if you thought of Breath of the Wild where you needed hearts to get the Master Sword and you tried to do it and realize this time it's stamina, it'd be nice that, okay, I can just go ahead and switch some of my hearts over to stamina and then I can go get the Master Sword. So it was just kind of a cool thing that you could do that. And what also I liked about that was it led me down to the hidden passage underneath Hyrule because then that found I found the soldier armor, which is actually the armor I used the most just because it was pretty, pretty strong and it was also pretty easy to upgrade. And that's my biggest problem with a lot of the armors. I didn't want to have to sit and farm to upgrade them. Like even the armor soldier armor I got annoyed with because I needed moblin guts. And I must have fought like 20 blue and black moblins before I finally got another gut to be able to upgrade it. And so while the armor's cool, I got super annoyed needing to farm to upgrade them. Yeah, for me, um, my big, it was like my biggest dumb moment is I, I've only done the side quest to get the full Zora gear. And I've only done now the fairy quest, which I haven't completely finished the, the final two. I did most of them. Uh, last night is when it comes to open world games i do a lot of side quests and i do a lot of stuff like that but my dumb moment was is i was not doing that in this because i was trying to get myself to a certain point knowing that we were going to be together then we're like how much spoilers do i want to get today <laughs> which we've been all doing a very very great job on uh, trying to help each other not get too much into and still talk about the game but I don't really have many to talk about as far as like, you know, side quests that I've been getting distracted of. But now that, you know, I've gotten to where I am and now that we've all had a great time talking on this podcast is now I can just slow back down and start trickling away those side quests and enjoying the things that you've enjoyed, you know, taking my clothes off now and going to talk to Pura and just things that I want to go do and try, try out now. So thank there's, you. <laughs> there's there's one side mission where they want you to fight all these monsters in a cave in your underpants because Zelda told <laughs> Zelda told all these guys that like to be a true warrior you, you have to fight like in your underwear or something like that and and not carry anything and I forgot like I forgot what the, like they misheard her is what it said basically it was like you have to fight under like. I don't know. It was one of those things where like, oh, we thought she said underwear. So it was one of those like dumb little side missions. Uh, I kind of like the... What's up? Oh, I was going to say, to be fair, if Princess Zelda asked you to fight monsters in your underpants, you wouldn't say no, would you? Nope. You say, what do you think? Yeah, no. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, which one was dumb, but it kind of stood out to me. Uh, I mean, it was it was nothing really, but it, I thought it was, and it was part of the um, Pelican mission, I believe, for the newspaper was you had to go talk to a talking chicken. I, that, that one stood out to me a little bit. It was dumb, but it was it was all right. It was fun. Still, the most immortal being in all of Zelda. 
You cannot kill those things. I don't know why Link just doesn't take a bunch like a chocobo or like well, not chocobo. I don't know why I said that. You take a chicken and go against Ganon and let like just let Ganon hit it somehow, it and then shield. he just gets taken out yeah, by all these chickens. Shield to block it. Um, <laughs> did you guys have a preferred way to traverse around Hyrule? Like, like I mentioned earlier, I basically kept it the same as how I did Breath of the Wild. Maxed out my stamina ring, glide for days. And then with the addition of having the wind power basically helped me get further through. I felt horse riding was a little bit better in this game. And I like that I could carry over my horses from the first game. But I know, like I said, I know people made vehicles. Did you guys have, like, I know there's that glide. I haven't quite got the glide suit to where you can just glide for days in the air with that. Did you guys have a preferred way of getting around? Yeah, uh, I built machines. A lot, a lot of people were using a one that was pretty popular. I kind of built one at first that kind of looked like the glider from Spider-Man, like the Green Goblin glider. Because mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm just going to see if this works because I just needed to go vertical. And it worked pretty well for that. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, what if I built it slightly different? And I started messing around and I ended up with this like one with a platform with four fans pointing to 45 degrees with a control stick. So that way it could stick things to it. So if I'm moving like Koroks around, I could stick them to it and they're not going to shift the weight or the balance too much. And once I maxed out my battery, that was the cheapest, most efficient way of travel because none of the items would time out and expire and I could just use it infinitely. And so I used it a lot. Said, <laughs> I used it just said, to get Spider-Man come out to play. I think with uh, the vehicles, it'd be cool to have a garage. So great. when you build them, you can keep them and just bring those, like kind of like how you store the horses in a stable to where you can build your glider. And then it's always there for you to go access and acquire when you need it, like a little garage or shed that you keep it in. An auto build actually led to another fun side quest as well with uh, Master Koga, <laughs> venerable leader of the Yiga clan. <laughs> <laughs> That was a, uh, he's always a lot of fun. I actually uh, loved his voice actor and uh, what was it? Uh, Age of Calamity. I thought he was fantastic. And I was hoping that he'd be voiced in this game and he wasn't. And I was kind of sad about that. It was just, you know, lines of dialogue, but it was still great. It still felt in character to me, like how ridiculous he is. Ryan, I was a lot like you. I, I would go to a tower, like fast travel and then fly up in the air and then glide to wherever I had to go. And then when I was on ground, I just walked. I didn't really like the horses. I didn't think they controlled very well compared to past Zelda games. And like I've talked before, I didn't want to craft anything. So, yeah, it was gliding and walking. Same here. Um, gliding and walking. One of the first things I did was open up all the map to have my fast travel points with the Skyview Towers pop up, glide. Once on the ground, just kind of run to wherever I was going. That also worked well because she would point out how uh, I, I would be going this way, but something would catch my eye and I'd run yeah. off to the right. So if I had a horse, I would end up just leaving it out the middle of nowhere. And I felt bad. And she makes me feel bad about stuff like but that. Speaking of horses, though, did anybody get the giant horse? There was a side quest. The Ganon horse? Or no, the... bigger than Ganon's horse. It's a white horse. It's huge. It's the, the horse god horse. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah I, funny, I I wouldn't say I enjoyed you know Tom going around using him, but it was funny because it's pretty. Uh, Link pretty much is doing the splits. That's the only way he can fit on this horse. Yeah, he rides so, that horse like Jean Claude Van Damme between two semi trucks. Yeah, it's like, whoa, <laughs> that can't be comfortable. <laughs> the first yeah. time I was in the depths, I ended up finding a skeleton horse. 
and I use that a lot because it doesn't take any gloom damage either. Um, but also, like, it wasn't as efficient as a vehicle because I couldn't attach a light to it. Um, and that was really nice for the depths as well to be able to see where you're going. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of variety of things that you could do and ride in this game. Like I mentioned earlier, you could do like the skateboard on the shield and everything like that. Just for fun, I would go up on top of like Mount Lanero and then just start sledding down with my sh- with my uh, Hylian shield with the skateboard attached, essentially. And uh, you know, it was stupid, but um, I did it just because I could, and it was fun. Would you blast some ska music from a Tony Hawk game? Get the full effect. Some Goldfinger. Oh, oh, yeah. I could just bust out the vinyl of some rancid right now. My preference to fast travel is just fast travel and glide, fast travel, glide. That's that was my way of getting around. That's usually how it is when it when I do play open world games, like when I played Fallout, a fast travel. I would wander around aimlessly to get as many towns unlocked as I could so I could fast travel to them. Same with like, you know, the Witcher. I would always fast travel. I rarely ever rode Roach, like hardly at all, except when I had to. Um, I did ride the horse in Assassin's Creed Origins and Odyssey because I could just click the button and say auto go to where I need to go. So I didn't even have to run there. I just let the horse take me there. But yeah, Breath of the Wild, just the same, just glide. And that's how I usually play open world games. I like to just explore. In fact, like when I'm on the ground, run and explore, but then still be able to fast travel quickly to where I need to go. I did use the horse a little bit because I've busted out. I bought these Zelda 38 pack amiibo cards because I never wanted to open up my Zelda amiibos. Uh, so I bought those and I was like, you know what? After like I had to do a mission with a horse, I was just like, you know what? Give me a Pona. Give me the, the best horse in the game. So I got a Pona. Uh, and then later on, I was doing a side mission where I needed, and I think it's maybe part of the band side mission. I needed to get like the golden horse. No, it was made for the newspaper. Sorry, it was for the newspaper. But that's Zelda's horse. They, they they lost at the stable and they needed to get it back. Zelda's horse runs great too. Like she's I mean, like a, like she's got a, like a high loyalty and everything. So she doesn't wander off and try to do her own thing. You know, she just is a good horse. There's like one or two missions where you need to pull something. Basically, Zelda's horse is pretty reliable. Did um, anybody notice also how wide Zelda's horse was? So like Zelda would be pretty much doing the splits if she was actually mm-hmm. riding that horse. She's it's almost I don't know I, I didn't do a side by side but it reminded me of the Ganon horse a little bit. If you ever collected the Ganon horse, yeah, no, I had a a little bit of a problem getting Zelda's horse because I kept running into that Frostgliok that was up there in the snow fields and I was like, oh okay, this is gonna be fun. See, I just unlocked because Zelda's horse is very touchy like even moving slow like it'll run away when you get really close but i i unlocked the um sneak outfit just before i did that mission so i put it on and i was able to get all the way to to the horse without it realizing i was there i wonder why zelda's horse runs for me like that because you think those zelda's horse would know you but i'm wondering if it senses the darkness in you and maybe that is what pushes the horse away or it's just loyal to um, Zelda. Maybe because it, it ran away. She <laughs> smells an arm. The stable, so. She smells an arm that hasn't been bathed in like 2,000 years. <laughs> True, yeah. Not uh, enough hand sanitizer to clean that one. Hand's gotta be nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone have a favorite boss fight in one of the temples or outside of the temple? Because there's some side boss fights that are not in the in the in, in any temple. They're just be out in the wild. Did anyone have a favorite boss fight? I kind of have two. One of them you don't have listed in your list because it's a 
secret to when you get later in the game, but the secret fifth temple boss, um, I had a lot of fun fighting that one uh, because it does use a lot of the ultra hand mechanic and the fuse mechanic. And I know some people don't like that, but I really loved that because it allowed me to be really creative with the boss rather than going through like the standard, like you have to fight it in this, this manner you had a lot more creativity against that boss fight, which I thought was a lot of fun. And then the Lionel Coliseum in the depths. So the one after the other, where you do the red, the blue, this, the white, and then the armored silver Lionel four in a row. And it gives you Majora's mask as a reward, which allows you to walk past enemies and they don't really realize you're there, which is fantastic. Like that was super memorable because it was, it was hard. You had to come in prepared. I had to have like multiple shields ready to go. I had to exploit the game a little bit with that breaking point sword <laughs> to get like 140 damage per swing on their back and then switch my weapon so I don't accidentally break it and all sorts of stuff. It was uh, it was a hell of a ride to get into that Coliseum and beat it. But once I did, I was uh, pleasantly surprised of how good I ended up getting at beating Lionel's. And I went back there every blood moon to farm more Lionel parts. Honestly, I just really liked fighting the Gleox. There was something about like how blood pumping and intense they were. It felt right to have Link. Yeah, I mean, obviously take it on such a classic enemy reimagined for this game. But uh, it, it was so exciting, you know, especially like with the clean Gleox, because then you have all three elements coming at you at once. And the Queen Gibdo, that was kind of fun. There was something about that that felt very old school Zelda boss battle. You know, the, the way that you had to take her out and everything and the way that she kept like pumping out armies of the undead at you. There was just something really fun about that to me. I was say it wasn't my favorite boss battle or fight that you did, but we experimented with some of the different monster masks. And to me, it was just the funniest thing that we did because I had him put the Lionel mask on and test it out because it says if you put the Lionel mask on, you won't he won't attack you. So we put the Lionel mask on and we walk up to the Lionel and it worked. It was working. perfect. It was awesome. And we stood there for a few minutes and then Link turned around. And then he got his ass kicked <laughs> because apparently he realized, oh, you don't have a horseback behind you. You're not a real Lionel. You're a human. So don't turn around and, and show your backside if you if you're pretending to be a different uh, beast, basically, is, is, is the gist of the story. <laughs> can you smack it, though? It won't do anything. Like, can you stab it with? The... We didn't get that far because we, oh. you know, we were just kind of like standing there. Help. I turned around because I was trying to get a selfie with him. Yeah, he wanted a selfie, and then so he got his go. butt kicked. Because... Then he turns around, he's like, all right, smile. And then you just see the Lionel coming at you and whack, and you just start rolling. <laughs> Leoc Battle has the best music in the game. Bar none. That music, like, amps you up for that fight. So, yeah, uh, however long you're in it, that is one of the best pieces of score that this game has. Just on that note, real quick. Well, I think we're going to talk about our favorite pieces of music okay. later. Oh. I didn't. <laughs> no, you can go right ahead if you want to. Go I was right just going to say, my favorite music is the Talos music. There's just something fun about it. It's just, even that you're fighting a boring rock, but it's just fun. <laughs> it's, it's just fun music. I just really like it. My favorite boss fight would probably be Queen Gibdo. That was such a fun fight. And like I said, I took that boss on with like no armor. So which means I literally had to like not get hit through pretty much that entire fight. 
and then whenever they summon in all the the, the minions off of uh off that made it the battle even more intense for me knowing i could die very quickly and very fast and i don't know how many times i've died on those bosses over and over and over again because i was dumb and didn't follow any quest line to upgrade my armor and completing all four areas which i i, I challenge anyone to go ahead go back and try to do that don't upgrade anything and try to clear all four areas with nothing upgraded you don't you don't even need to go to an area to get your butt whooped i mean i know my 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 first goal, like I said, I mentioned was the max of the stamina wheel. And I had like, you know, five, six hearts. Like you're going to get hit by a stick. You're going to die. Meanwhile, I got the master sword because that was, I was like, I'm getting that damn master sword right away. And I'm like, no, I'm smacking them three, four times to get down, to get back up, smack them a couple more times, get back up and hit me with the stick once. And I'm dead. Come to realize. Cause I completely forgot. That's how you upgraded your armor. You have to go see the great fairies. Right now that I have one armor that is, like on level four, basically, it's like, okay, it only does, you know, quarter or half a heart from getting smacked around. But like, didn't think about that. Didn't think about that at all. Your level of difficulty is how much you want to put into the game, I guess, right? So. Yeah. Speaking of sticks, I remember the very first time I was running through a forest and I'm like, oh my God, these trees are trying to kill me. Has anyone like realized, oh, wow, this Breath of the Wild didn't have these trees coming after me. <laughs> And I was like, dang, and I, I got, I think I died from one a couple times trying to get through that little area, but it's going back to some of the, one of the other bosses I would probably put as a, like a note is whenever you fought the one, when you get to the fighting the boss in the fire, whenever it came down and it was very spider-like. And before I saw that name, I'm like, this better be Goma. This better have the name Goma in it. And the second I had the name Goma in it, I was like, Yes. It was that was that was the moment I still like the Gibdo fight more, but the fact that I got to see Goma's name made me super excited. <laughs> I would say for me, uh, one that stood out just because it was the first one was Kolgera from the Wind Temple, just because it made me realize how much better the boss fights were in Tears of the Kingdom just right off the bat. Like it wasn't anything special, it was a super easy boss fight. But it was just kind of cool being in the wind and having to shoot out the three sections, those three circles in the body. That was that was really cool. I like that. Um, I like Queen Gibdo more so because Raiju's lightning ability was probably my favorite sage ability. I just thought it was super cool. Like that circle gets larger and larger. And then wherever you shoot, the lightning bolt strikes down. That was super cool. And I got to go with Ganondorf. It was a fantastic fight. I thought it was probably one of the best Ganondorf fights in the series so far. I, I think a lot of the times Ganondorf is kind of lackluster. It has like gimmicks to it where you have to like play tennis and hit the ball of lightning back and forth. And this was just a lot of fun. I know a lot of people talked about being difficult. Maybe it was just because I was very powered up by the time I got to him, but I didn't find it difficult at all. It was just very fun. I'll, I'll also mention Colgara. I think it's just more of like I had like a, a few aha moments. Like, can I try this? And it worked like the first time you go through it. And all of a sudden I just like rising. I'm like, well, maybe if I line it up with uh, the wind gap, basically I can bust the ice shield through it and sure enough to go through. And then I'm like, wait a minute, if I drop down and then do an arrow through it and I end up, you know, like, I mean, it was an easy fight, but it was just a lot of like, can I do this? Oh, cool. That did work. Okay. Can I do this? Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, that was a lot of fun. Like I said, that the started off like that too. I thought that was like, a, like at least like, a great starting point boss for me since no one's quite mentioned it 
What the hell is the damn name for that water temple boss here? Of course, it's not in the picture. It's it's like a sludge octorok or something. Oh, like the that. Great yeah. muck, Mike Octorok. It's it has muck in the name yeah. somewhere. I think. Yeah, I think it is. It was muck-tarok. a giant toilet, and you were fighting the Great Mighty Pooh. Yeah. The Great Mighty Pooh boss. Yeah. Yeah. Muck- the the Pooh shark. The Pooh shark. That yeah. whole thing you were cleaning up there looked like a giant <laughs> toilet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, when you well, got when, yeah. when you get the water thing, you could you could have like a poo sharknado. Yeah, <laughs> it, you know, and I remember because originally the, it took like it seemed like it was taking forever for that the charge, right? The water attack. I'm like, come on, man! And then eventually, you get the splash arrows you can make and save yourself time, but it just wasn't as powerful. The only thing is, like, like good job, boss, mucking up the whole area so I can't get to you. You know, uh, but. Just for so yeah, I, I didn't end up doing the water temple till after I defeated a lot of Lynels. So I had like a 5x Savage Lynel bow. Mm-hmm. So using the Splash Fruit was the most effective because I could shoot five of them at a time. Mm-hmm. And probably took uh, it out so, like in two hits, probably. Yeah, it wasn't a very long boss fight. For, that whole temple took me maybe 10 minutes. And I was like, oh, well, all right then. <laughs> Did anyone do the glitch, the multiplier glitch here, where you can make multiple items... Did you guys know about it? I didn't. I, 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 I heard. I heard about it. I decided to try to beat Ganon without doing any of the temples on a second playthrough, and so I used it so I didn't have to go and just like do the zone I charges for hours and get my rockets and everything like that. So I did it that way, just to see, just to speed up that time frame because I was just trying to see how it would work out. That's a pain in the butt. Don't do that, by the way, because uh, you have to fight all of the temple bosses before you get to Ganon, because they all descend on you at once, essentially. And so you have like a gauntlet fight with all the bosses. I did the glitch. Uh, I decided, to, I was like, the hell with I'm going to try this out. And then I started trying to do it with multiple different things. I was like, well, I want arrows. Well, you can't do it with arrows. But I was like, but bombs are an option, which is a bad idea, because as soon as they hit the ground, they explode. So it's like, all right, well, I want apples. So I'll give myself 50 apples. Okay, that worked. And then eventually I got a ruby. So I just... 500 rubies here i am basically cash that in buy some arrows kind of thing where i i decided i was like you know what? i'm gonna exploit this when i want some cash here basically to save myself some time and just to explain how it's done it's been patched since it's been patched but i have yet to uh patch my game so i keep playing in sleep mode and coming back to it but essentially you, you jump in the air with your glider you press the pause button or the plus button and then you go to the hold option you put five of them in the hold option and then you press Y and B, I believe, right? And then yep, at the same time. Then they quickly press start again. You can do it again, do it again before you hit the ground. And that's how you multiply it. I know there's other ways of doing it. Like you can use it with like uh Octorok where you, you, you throw all the stuff in its mouth and it'll come back out, but I'll keep the, the, the Octorok thing is a portion of the game. That's how you upgrade oh, or okay. fix items. So that's that's a, a natural thing. That's how I got my 5x bow. Was like dropped a savage on a bow on the ground it swallowed it spat it back out um i even did that with my hylian shield and i got durability up on it so it lasts even longer mm-hmm. helped out a lot with like a lot of things especially in that end game because i just had a bunch of high level bows and then you know i have to keep one on standby that i put in my house as well mm-hmm. and just put on the wall 
I think when it comes to grinding out stuff too, here's one of the other things we were talking about how we thought it was cool that we were able to carry over our horses from uh, Breath of the Wild into Tears of the Kingdom. I think one of the things that was a little downside for me is I spent a lot of time in Breath of the Wild and using the amiibos and unlocking every little piece to all the different like costumes for Ocarina of Time, for Twilight Princess, for all of that, that none of that carries over. So now I have to start all over every day with the amiibos trying to get the get those armor those those costumes back did i really wish those would have carried over too even if they didn't like say i had i had it like upgraded to like 12 15 whatever even if they knocked it down to like back to the original i really wish that they would have allowed me to carry those costumes over already unlocked in tears of the kingdom you yeah, could so, find some of those costume pieces just randomly in chests for the people who didn't want to do the amiibo. So it was just, you just had to do a lot of exploring and finding a bunch of different chests because we've got multiple costumes that are the same thing. We got one from the amiibo and one from a chest we found somewhere in the game. So it doesn't have to just use the amiibo for those costumes. Yeah. So when you do the Fierce Deity set, it'll give you some, uh, the Treasure Hunter guys will give you some clues about other ones that are available, you pay them a little bit of rupees and then they're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, here's this vague hint. Enjoy that. But the vague hint talks about like the armor set of a hero of the past. And so it's essentially the amiibo armor. And you just kind of go through these Misco treasures and you are able to find the amiibo armor without having to own amiibo. Um, so I, I feel it was cool that Nintendo did it this way. Um, so that way the feedback that they got from both Breath of the Wild and from the Skyward Sword HD release, where there were things tied specifically to Amiibo and you couldn't have them any other way, was gone. And now you could actually just unlock it by playing the game. Maybe that's why it costs 10 more dollars. That is cool. I still like, you know, because I put all the effort into doing all of that into Breath of the Wild, I really wish that would have just carried over. I mean, that's great for someone who first game is Tears of the Kingdom. Or someone that wants their that has the choice to I don't want to carry this over I want to unlock it again that's cool but for me that I spent all that time unlocking them all in Breath of the Wild that it would have been cool if I at least was allowed to bring those over I would have preferred that over the horses. One thing I want to mention here too is music for this game. Um, one of my complaints about Breath of the Wild was I felt like the lack of music and I remember I was talking with Musty Hobbit about this and it really seemed like when Breath of the Wild came out, it seemed like uh, the soundtrack for Breath of the Wild was more like a cat walking on a piano. It doesn't quite, it's just subtle in the background, right? I think Tears of the Kingdom is better with, with the music because I was in certain areas and you hear the music playing. The only thing about it is it seems, still seems like it's kind of quieter and it's not overpowering. So like, it's hard to remember like, and I'll, I'll go back to Ocarina of Time here or even like Wind Waker here too, where music was a big, very big focal point going to a certain area. And there's not really that. It's just in the background. Like there's a lot of subtle music going to like the horse table. I think the band is playing a Pona song. I think it is. But, and I get it. It's an open world. You know, you're going to hear a lot of wind breeze, but the only real kind of track I quite remember is the opening with the falling down. Like the music that you're when you whenever you descend from the sky, but like that opening theme too with the saxophone.
that stuff is memorable. I just wish, I wish this game had, and, and like I said, you mentioned something, you mentioned the Lionel music in, in it too. I guess I like because I'm such a fan of Ocarina of Time soundtrack, and me and Adam, we we went and saw the Zelda Orchestra when they when it came to our hometown here. Where like to me, to me, the music is I want to put this on OST and listen to it. I, maybe just missing out because I'm so distracted by other things. I'm not one of those people that will put something on when I'm playing a video game because I want to hear the music. Am, am I wrong? Uh, that anything like no, you need to listen to this track again. It's a banger. Is there? Is there anything like that for you in this game? No, but I, I will say that that's the best birthday present you ever gave me, Ryan, was taking me to see that. That was, that's, I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. That was one of the best things I've seen as far as music going to a concert. It, it was just, it was fantastic. You know, I, I mean, I didn't feel like it was as quiet as Breath of the Wild, but I get what you're what you're saying about how other games previously they had much more of a musical element. So I feel like I was still hearing music all throughout this one, but it wasn't as grand as in previous games. I also wanted to add as much as I enjoy the, the stable song, the Pona song. And I really like that the band plays it when you fast travel in and out of stable so many times it, it got a little repetitive and anytime I would come to a stable to finish a quest, it's like, Oh, playing the same song. Hey eh, guys, you can learn another. I'm just saying. I think though, the breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom, both are trying to make it an all in one in immersive game. So you're going to have ambient sound. You're going to have music. They want you to be able to hear the birds tweeting or the water rushing or people in villages making weird exclamations and stuff like that so i mean there was a lot of music you just have to kind of listen for the music this time versus it just being there for something to do because they were trying to make it a beautiful experience a visual experience a audible experience with everything in it so but that being said like i like i said before the talos music was my favorite i just love that music it's just upbeat for some reason but I also like the Goron um, theme whenever you go into Goron City because it literally, if any of the music in the game embodies a, a people, it's the Goron music because it makes me think of just a, a happy fat man walking around. And that's what the freaking Goron are. So I don't know. I just, I've always really liked that music too. Is that why you play that music whenever I walk around the house? No. <laughs> I do appreciate the improvements from Breath of the Wild. Like, it was definitely a lot more noticeable. No matter where you went, I felt like I was hearing music. But, like Ryan, you said, sometimes you're just more focused on other things, so you don't quite notice as much. But nothing stuck out as memorable. I appreciated hearing the different, like, kind of nods to other Zelda games. I really enjoyed that. But even, like, uh, someone mentioned the Gleok music. That I never fought a Gleok, so I never heard it. But the, the Ganondorf fight, I was just more focused on fighting him than really paying attention to the music. So while it was an improvement, nothing stuck out to me. Yeah, so for me, there was a ton of musical pieces in this game that stood out. All of the boss fights, so the Kogera fight had, and especially once you get to the second phase of that fight, had an amazingly energetic score going on with it. I'd already mentioned the Gliok battle. Like, you get this really cool, like, sort of heroic theme about a minute and a half into the song, and it just, like, really amps you up for what you're doing. 
even the uh, the bizarre fight when you're doing the lead up to the lightning temple uh, has an amazing fight where you're kind of fighting against all the Gibdos that are trying to invade the bazaar and the Karakar bazaar. Those just are super memorable pieces. And I understand that like we had all these different themes from different areas in uh, like previous Zelda games like Ocarina of Time and everything like that. And we get those to a degree, sort of like when you're in uh, Zora's Domain or you're in Goron City, uh, you have those themes there, but everything else is much more atmospheric because this game is supposed to be seamless, right? Moving from one era to the, to the other is supposed to be seamless. And I guess that, you know, unless there's like something really, really different, like I, I don't see a whole lot of that changing. Like I feel like some of the music does change when you're in like the Devantha Highlands versus in the Gerudo Desert, right? It just feels a little bit different. It feels a little icier, a little colder. And it's more ambiance than anything. But that really works for this game. I don't feel like that's a knock against it, that it doesn't have like a memorable theme for the Tabantha Highlands. It doesn't need to be Taltal Heights. It doesn't need to have those heights for it because it's not super sectioned off and you have to gain access to it. It's just there. And ultimately... I think with Ocarina, Majora, and Wind Waker, music was a big focal point because they're forcing you to play the music, the track to a certain area. It really was, you're playing a musical instrument. So there's nothing like that in this game. Not knocking it, just one of those things where I think those were more of a emphasis and maybe it's more of a focal point that you're going to remember because you plan it so much. Well, actually, you wanted to add one more thing, like especially from uh, like certain elements of the game. That... I liked the backwards music too a lot. Backwards music, mm -hmm. like uh, it, you definitely hear it in the credit roll because there's a moment where everything else goes quiet yeah. and it plays it. They would pop it into some of the trailers and everything too, but it's clearly music that they've been playing backwards. So but it's you like hear it sometimes when you go in the underground. I think you heard it a couple of times in the at, when you would finish the shrines. I think so. Um, when you went to go fight Ganon in the end, you really hear the backwards music. I just need to play it forward to see what they're saying. <laughs> this is kind of sort of just touching on a little bit of music. I thought what, what would have been a cool uh, thing to do is when you fast travel and you see yourself like dissip dissipating into blue, I think it would have been cool if he pulled out like a little like flute or an ocarina did that. And that's what caused them to go up like that. That would have been fun. One of the things that I really liked about the quests and doing the four regions is I liked the sense of accomplishment, the before and after. This whole area, this whole Zora domain is devastated and destroyed. And then the after when you finally complete it. I, I felt like I've I've done something more in Tears of the Kingdom than I felt in Breath of the Wild. I could go do a side quest or go do something in Breath of the Wild. And it, it, I never felt like anything has really changed all that much. This was... Even whenever I got the Divine Beasts, they just went and perched in their own little area, and then that was it. This made me feel like I actually was a hero, and I actually did something. I actually cleared this area. I helped these people. And that's what I wanted to add to this. That's a great point, because even with that, you know, like the visual element, seeing that change, seeing the Rito Village change and not have snow anymore... Not only that, but people would reference that. I mean, you'd be in various places and you would find out someone's like, oh, this area is safe to go to again. I can finally go back home. And it did help to kind of yeah. like fill in that world and, and bring like an extra life to it. Like it was a living world. They all did have a pretty significant change, except 
I feel like, you know, like with the town being destroyed and then we go fight the, the walking dead and then they comes back and you know, everything's pretty again, or you've got the muck is gone. The only one that wasn't really that noticeable was Goron because it's like, okay, so the red glowy rocks are gone. Yeah. All right. That was kind of boring. <laughs> what marbled rock roast. <laughs> hey game. Could you tell me marbled rock roast one more time? I don't remember what it was called. What was it called? There was one little side mission like that where it's, well, there was pirates invaded this town and they destroyed the town. So after you take them out, then they ask you to rebuild the village for them. That's a town I would live in. Oh, yeah. I, I would move oh, the there. Berlin yeah. village. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, speaking of real quick, too, of all the temples, I think the lightning one was like one of the most impressive, like reveals, like after it comes out of the sand. Uh, like that, that really stood out to me a lot. Especially after you beat the temple, and then if you go back to, I guess, the shrine area up top and just look at the desert, you've got this giant pyramid that's way in the background. I'm like, wow, okay, that's kind of cool. Because I'm like, this is, like, as opposed to the other temples being in the sky, right? I'm like, oh, that's cool, just seeing it, like, there again. I mean, the other ones, I have to go, I guess, all the way up to the sky to see, but... Yeah, I'm uh, surprised they didn't go the direction with uh, the water temple being coming out of the water. They they yeah. put it into the sky, which is really bizarre. Mm-hmm. But is it? But that could be referencing the fact that the Zoras did descend and become Ritos as far as that lore. That maybe that's sort of a nod to that evolution. That it, it could, but you know what the thing is, it set me up doing those two temples first, doing that one, then doing the water temple. It made me think all the temples were in the air, and then I did the the, the whatever the uh, lightning temple, and it was on the ground. So it kind of set me up for thinking every temple was going to be in the sky. And like, even though it was easy, I'll say this about the air temple, even though it was easy, that little bit of phobia, I'm like, oh, I don't want to fall. But because I guess it was so high in the air, I don't know, it added like a little bit of a phobia or fear kind of into me. So It's that stress when you play a platformer and you spend all this time trying to climb up to a certain area and you're like, I don't want to fall and do this like 10 minute climb again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It set it up for me, and then, like I said, then when I'm doing the water temple and going up in the air, I'm like, oh, not this again. But it was different. It was different. It's just in the air. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that the uh, the fire temple was in the depths. Uh, I yeah. thought that that was that was really cool. A really interesting place to put it. That the lost city of Garandia is down there and everything like that. And I was like, oh, this is it's really well built. It's very intricate. It's probably the most original Zelda temple like temple in the entire game because it's not one that you can super speed run unless you have a lot of Zonai devices to kind of get to all the different switches right away. It takes a little bit of time. You have to ride mine carts and everything like that. So it forces you to slow down a little bit. But like the, you were mentioning the Wind Temple, the thing that I loved about that was the approach. Like when you're getting to the point where you're getting on the bouncing arcs, to the bouncing boats to get higher up in the sky. And then you start to see the outline of the giant arc there. And you're just, you see how massive it is. And you're, you're a little bit like, uh, how long is this going to take? <laughs> and then it doesn't, it didn't take that long, but it was like that fear of, wow. Okay. This is a lot bigger than everything else that I've been on so far. And it's just hanging out here. And that reveal was really, really awesome as opposed to the water temple, which you just kind of like got to I actually discovered the water temple on accident before I started the quest, because I was just flying around the sky and it was just there. 
and it gave me it gave me the intro to the water temple and like the landmark the whole like cinematic and i was like oh well okay then um i'll come back to this later (laughs) you know here's 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 a nitpick complaint though i want to get off because i thought about this after i did it and i i know it briefly mentioned it though i know the game is go anywhere do whatever you want and i do prefer a linear experience but i don't mind this open world experience right I just wish for the sake of storytelling, it told me the story in a linear fashion. By that, I mean with the dragon tears, you can go anywhere where you want and do them, but your story is all over the place. At least for storytelling purposes, give it to me in the correct order because like now I have to, after unlocking them all, I have to rewatch them all again in the correct order to see like the full story, how it all played out. If you're going to give me one thing linear, please be the story part. Right. I, saw I guess you people... really didn't like the movie Memento. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I saw some people talking about that. that. Yeah, yeah, the the memories. I just say the memories. That's right from Breath of the Wild. I just, I guess the first time experience, and I'd rather see it in the correct order. Yeah, people were talking about that online, like how it ruined the story because they did the geoglyphs in the wrong order or like Mm -hmm. different order. So then they knew what was going to happen to Zelda. I mean, granted, it wasn't like it was super hard to figure out. Like as soon as they mentioned eating the stone, you knew what Zelda was going to do. Mm-hmm. But it's still like it would be nice to get the story in order. I mean, that's that's why they tell you if you want to do the Master's. And granted, you don't need to do it for the Master Sword, but it's better off for the Master Sword if you go get up the tears because you kind of see what happens, right? Um, well, th- if you do it in that order, if you actually get all the tears first, it does have the Light Dragon come up right in front of you, so you can go and immediately get the Master Sword. Mm-hmm. So it just it does make it easier as well because getting to the light dragon is a, a pain in the bum otherwise. Yeah, because what they appears at three in the morning when it comes back out of the ground or something like that, or so all of the dragons have like a set path and it only takes like I think fifteen minutes for like Dinral or whatever to do their set path. The light dragons takes legitimately four like what is it, two to four hours to do its pathing. All the way, and it goes all the way around the sky. It essentially goes mm-hmm. over where each of the the tiers are. And so, if you go oh. up in the sky and you don't see it, eh, you're you might not see it for a bit. <laughs> what did we figure out? Um, because it passes by almost all of the Skyview towers. Mm-hmm. So if you, she's going in a clockwise pattern. If you go in a counterclockwise, you'll eventually find her. Yeah, easily. like yeah. drop there, kind of check the sky, and then you might be able to see her. But then, I mean, you still have to get to her. Which and then you just sit, what was it? Ten minutes. Yeah, just you just we just sat on her head her. for ten minutes until she glowed again, and then we'd get something <laughs> off of her, and then sat there for ten more minutes and got something else off of her. We we're like, no, we're not leaving. <laughs> yeah, this, this is why I play in portable mode. I just had it sitting there, sitting on top of dragons. When I was sitting on top of uh, Dinral, I had my full fire like yeah. suit on, so I don't get just burned while I'm on it. You know, the frost suit when you're on Nadra and everything like that. But no, I just sat on the dragons and like binge watched like TV with my partner while I was <laughs> just getting materials from these dragons. Come on, I need a great. toenail here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like all right. Gotta the music on the dragons is a lot of fun too. It's it's yeah. not fun yeah. two hours into it, but you know, for the first like five minutes, you're like, oh, it's peaceful. I like this. Yeah, I love how he pointed out the toenail because I had you crack it up. Yeah, <laughs> One of the moments he I was came like, flying Nelsella. at the fr- at the at her face, and it's like 
you know. Now, Zelda, honey, I know this ain't going to make a lot of sense, but I need one of your toenails to help save the world. <laughs> we had a few dates with Zelda on, on you know, riding on her and stuff. Whoa. You rode the dragon? We, we did. <laughs> he knows how much I love dragons. Yeah, so, you got to ride the dragon. Did any of you guys do the side quest in, was it Terrytown? No. One where you make uh, monsters, where he wants you to go find monsters and he makes statues of monsters. So <laughs> that one's a lot of fun because he asks you to get a picture of a monster and you bring it back to him and then he'll turn it into a statue. And then you have this platform, like if there's a little hill and a mo- mountain on it or whatever, and you have these statues <laughs> that you can just like look at in the game and it's really, really neat. So he asked for a bunch of different ones. Well, after you're all done, he's like, bring me any monster you want and I'll turn it into a bad guy. So in the end fight, we Tom took a picture of Ganon with his hair like all flying behind him. So we took it to him and he turned Ganon into a statue for us. Mm-hmm. So now we have Ganon hanging out in Terrytown. <laughs> That's not going to scare everyone. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> that makes me want to just to go take a picture of just random stuff like a fish or a frog or something to see if he would actually turn that into a statue he does say monsters but we haven't tried like just anything yeah that's true he does say bring me any monster pictures so. he does some cool yeah monsters. it might not work he does, yeah I did, I did like the selfie mode i know it was mentioned earlier but i, I did take a selfie <laughs> with one of those king gleados right where i just did where i did the pose where he puts it with his hand pointing <laughs> oh, yeah. behind him. yeah that one so. we did a lot of the uh, brooding <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I found out that uh, using the camera, uh, because Lionels won't attack you unless you have a weapon drawn or you're too close with the selfie camera it or any camera at all, it uh, it triggers as well. I didn't find that out until I was taking a selfie right next to one because they hadn't attacked me and uh, they did real quick. It didn't look at the picture being taken. We said yeah, that. It doesn't want to uh, he's, like he's, he's a bit shy. Yeah, he's, he's like, no, you can't take my picture. Takes my soul. He, he's, he knows you know Photoshop, and he, he's like, I don't want, I don't want you to do certain things. To my I did not sign off on this. <laughs> yeah, so Tom and Lacey, maybe it, wasn't, out, it wasn't that you turned around; it was the fact it was that you're like, like, yeah, like, yeah, he's like, no, <laughs> hate the paparazzi. <laughs> gonna sell it to the Gazette. <laughs> I, I was gonna say he's like, no, you work for the Lucky Clover Gazette. I know why you're taking this picture. <laughs> Like, look, it's either our we can take your picture or Peter Parker can take your picture. What you choose. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so where does everybody rank this game now? Like in terms of your favorite Zelda games? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. I haven't thought about that because I haven't beaten it yet. When I went into this game, I had really high expectations. I was like super excited. But then when they started throwing like all these random like abilities at me, I kind of started to not like Tears of the Kingdom whatsoever. I'm like, I don't know if I can play this. I don't like what they're doing to the Zelda. But then I pushed myself through it. And am I and then I went like down a bit, like with my opinion. But then when I got to a certain point and I started doing other stuff and I finally got back out of the sky, got back down there, started exploring more, my opinion of the game skyrocketed back up and I absolutely love Tears of the Kingdom. So I, I've been on a roller coaster ride at the very, very beginning, but right now I actually love the game. But I can give you my final thoughts when we get to that point sure. when I actually finish it. But that's where I'm at with it right now. For me, it's it's pretty low. Um, like I mentioned in the beginning, it, I don't consider it a Zelda game. It's just it's too much missing for me. 
Now it is better than Wind Waker because that game's hot garbage <laughs> and everything will ever, always. Be. I'd rather play the CDI games than Wind Waker, but that's a whole nother story. Um, Come on so it's over, all we'll that. that theory. <laughs> oh, we will. It's better, better than Breath of the Wild. Um, I've only played one of the Oracle games and I wasn't a huge fan of it. So it, it's, it's probably somewhere around the Oracle games, which are pretty low on my list. It's, it's a good game. It's not a Zelda game to me. It's fine. For me, my expectations were more Breath of the Wild. It delivered on that. So I wasn't expecting much more. I wasn't expecting anything less. I didn't think it was going to wow me the same as Breath of the Wild because it, uh, it was so different. It was kind of the the time that it came out, the way that it had changed so much stuff up. You couldn't really bottle that twice. I wasn't a big fan of the new elements like the, the building mechanic. I only used it when I absolutely had to. The rest of the time, I just wasn't interested in it. I feel like for the people that loved it, it's it's perfect for them. And, and uh, overall, where I would rank it, I mean, I would put it, in the mid range of Zelda games for me, probably lower more just because cap, you really said it best. Would I ever play this game again? No, not because I didn't enjoy it, but because there's so much stuff to do. I wouldn't want to only partially play it again. If I were to pick this game up again, I would want to do everything, but do I want to put that much time into this game again after having already done that? I don't see myself going back and playing this game again even though we got the DLC for Breath of the Wild, I never got around to playing it just because it was kind of that same mindset. It's like, no, I'm I'm done. I've moved past that game, which is a shame. So I worry if they put out any DLC for Tears, it would be the same thing for me. I think for me, Breath of the Wild is still my favorite game. This was just a continuation, which is exactly what I wanted. But I was let down in the sense that um, things were more endearing in breath of the wild like i actually cared about the different um what are they called the champions the champions yeah. you actually got to know the champions all of your memories have revolved around the champions and so they had bad, really good personalities they were really interesting all of our memories felt like it was leading towards something that we wanted to actually con uh, conquer but this time all of the memories were in the past with people we didn't get to play with we didn't get to interact with and then we just kind of got thrown these sages that we got to spend a little bit of time with. And then there's just ghost people walking around with us. So I, I don't, I wasn't really as pleased with tears of the kingdom as much as I was breath of the wild. So I think I rake it kind of down there. So I, I still think breath of the wild is, is my favorite. I think with the yeah. champions too, Mifa has become, is one of my favorite side characters out of all of the Zelda games. I she is just one of my favorite characters and then her brother Sidon is also awesome but I know exactly what you mean <laughs> it's like we get to know these like younger ones like a little bit the ones that become our companions in Tears of the Kingdom but we spent way more time with our like you know siblings and learning about them as the champions than we do as them yeah, so like I said in the beginning of this video I had very low expectations for Tears of the Kingdom I didn't really spoil myself on anything about it, but I just felt it was going to be retreading too much ground. I didn't pre-order it. I saw what the collector's edition was, and I was like, wow, that's a big step down from what they did in Breath of the Wild. I still use my, uh, what is it, my Sheikah pad, Sheikah slate uh, case for my Switch to this day because it's still the best case that I have ever owned for it. I was just not having like any reason to pre-order this game. 
until they did their gameplay about a week before it came out. And that's when I pre-ordered the game because I was like, oh, oh, this is what this game is going to be like. I loved it. I loved everything to do with this game. Like I said, I'm, I'm one of the only people who we've talked about in this group who had really used that build mechanic a lot. And for me, that worked tremendously. It added a whole new element to, to Zelda that had never been there before. And a lot more creativity. And you had a lot more options to explore spaces in ways you never had before. I really, really love this game. I mean, also, I love Wind Waker. So I think some people you know, don't like Wind Waker. But for me, this has easily climbed up to like my second favorite Zelda game ever. Like, I just have so many memorable moments. I haven't spent this much time in a world. I did Breath of the Wild with 100%. This one, I'll probably go back and 100% it. I'm nearly there now. I just have a few more Korok seeds to do, and I'm done. But it was a tremendous experience. I've not had a game like this in quite some time to really enthrall me, to just keep coming back into its world, no matter what. If they put out DLC... I'm going to play it no matter what it is. I Because I just had way too much fun here to not go back and play some more. And like I said, I already hopped back in and I'm challenging myself. So yeah, let's go ahead and do this Ganon fight without doing any of the temples in advance. We can You can have fun with this game in so many different ways that Breath of the Wild had, but it just wasn't feasible. This time it is because everything is scaled to your skill level in the game, which I think is great. Where do I rank it? Because I'm really enjoying my experience. And and I know I mentioned that I'm like 85 hours in at the moment. And I feel like I still have only scratched the surface of this game. Like, I do want to try the building stuff. I'll get there. But I got to do this other stuff here first. Where I think that actually adds the replay for me. to want If I would replay this game, which I imagine I would. I felt with Breath of the Wild, I never probably want to go back and replay it. Because I felt like... There's only like one, granted, you can play in multiple ways, but I feel like there's only really one way I would want to play it. With this one, I feel like I keep learning new things where I'm like, okay, that was fun. That's going to be a part of my repertoire now for playing this game. And I feel like I've already beat, let's just say, 75% of this game one way, where I'm learning more and more new stuff where I can go play it. That like, If I was going to replay it, I would maybe, if I enjoy it, maybe I play it slightly different. It's hard for me to rank it. It's easily probably top five for me higher that's the that's where it really gets like you know i guess the the day how i feel uh how you know how i feel about it at the time of this recording it could be higher it could be lower i would say it's probably top five for me easily easily top five it could be higher though because like i said i'm I, there's still much more for me to do and i'm, I'm not done with it i I'm, i don't want to be done with it at the moment i'm enjoying myself way more with this than I did Breath of the Wild, even though I really enjoyed Breath of the Wild. It's just I, I see more, way more replay value in this one than I did that game. You know, both Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, whenever it comes to all the Zelda games, neither one of them ha- break into my top 10. And I don't think either one of them ever will. Now, that's not saying that these aren't great games. I'm just saying I love all the other Zelda games more than these. I mean, I would still rank like Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom as games on their own, like eight out of 10, nine out of 10. But as far as like just Zelda itself, they I don't think either one of those will ever crack into my top 10. Not when you've got Ocarina of Time, Minish Cap, Oracle of Ages and Seasons, A Link to the Past, like Twilight Prince, like all of those 
are going to always be for me, especially because I grew up from the beginning through all of Zelda, that those are always going to be up there as my nostalgia in above these two. But I don't want to take away that these aren't great games. They're just not my top 10. And uh, with that being said, that's the short one. But I want to get everyone's final thoughts before we leave here. So, Cap, why don't you tell us what your final thought of Tears of the Kingdom is? Yeah, it's it's a good game. <clears throat> it's a good follow-up to Breath of the Wild. They improved where they needed to improve. But it still has issues that Breath of the Wild had with the weapon durability, the cooking, and then obviously adding the, the Minecrafting uh, gimmick that I didn't love. But it was improvement and it's a it's a good game it's not like it's a bad game i would still give it an eight out of ten you know it's a solid b game for me it's fun it's worth playing i think everyone should play the game it, it's cool how it's got it's creative and you can play it any way you want like i wasn't forced into that gimmick of crafting stuff but stumptown used it a lot right it's really cool that we can play it in any way we want so that does make it a good game but again it's just it's not a zelda game for me but i think it's worth playing Stump, what does what are your final thoughts on, on the game? I am very eagerly awaiting the third because if they could surprise me this much with Breath of the Wild 2 again, or, you know, what are they gonna do with the third one? That's gonna surprise me even more. Uh, I trust them implicitly at this point to continue to do so. Cool. Tom and Lacey? I think that if you like Breath of the Wild, this absolutely delivers and giving you more of what you already loved. It expands upon so many things. The uh, the open world with the new layers in the sky down below, it opens that up. Uh, it gives you so many more ways to do a variety of different things to achieve your goals, going through shrines, going through temples, taking out bosses. I think that it adds on to Breath of the Wild. It's such a great companion piece. I don't think it's going to do anything to win you over if you weren't a fan of that game or Zelda games in general. But if you already love that, then this this is a love letter to you. My thought on it basically is this is a perfect game, just like Breath of the Wild was a perfect game if you got ADD. Because you could be like, I'm going to go do this, this quest. Oh, a squirrel. Oh, I'm going to go over there. This guy right here. I can't tell you how many times we're like, all right, we're going to go do this tonight. This is what we're going to do tonight. And then we're like veering off over here because he saw a tree that sparkled. <laughs> yeah. My final thoughts are, is like I said, my opinion completely changed throughout me playing it. I recommend anyone who wants more Breath of the Wild to definitely go play it. The story so far from what I've done, seen is definitely just from what I've seen alone is still a very, very, very good Zelda story. Like the uh, so I, I I just say yes. Just play it if you want more Breath of the Wild. So for final thoughts, I think The Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom is everything Breath of the Wild was, plus so very much more. It's one of those rare instances where a company listens to the critical feedback the fan base have provided to the first game. You know, the core Legend of Zelda fans and then implemented that into the game while also staying true to the original vision, if that makes sense. So an example would be a lot of people complain the first game didn't have a lot of music, so they kept all the same themes that the original Legend of Zelda did, but they did a good job of 
you know, bringing in new music when you're in dungeons or when you're getting ready to have a boss fight. So while we're still not in the regular Legend of Zelda music theme, we are getting more while still retaining elements from the original game. Another really big complaint was the fact that there were no dungeons really in the first game. We went into the giant monsters and that was it. The dungeons in this game are actually dungeons where you do have to do some puzzle solving before facing a boss. And uh, this is another thing I really liked. In the first game, you were just fighting like phantom ganons but in this game there actually are unique interesting bosses at the end of each dungeon while people will say the dungeon seemed relatively short i did feel that the dungeons were actually pretty long in the fact that it took so friggin long to get there in the first place i actually include the journey to the dungeon to be part of the dungeon and then last but not least, one huge critique from the first game, something that still really super annoys me, was the weapon breaking system, the durability of items. It's something I'm constantly fighting with. Really made me stress in Breath of the Wild. Here in Tears of the Kingdom, they still did keep the weapon durability system. However, with the new elements, like where you could merge weapons, or I forget what it's called, uh, meld them together, it certainly did increase their durability, increase their power, and I didn't feel as worried about losing specific weapons. You could also find a bunch of really high-powered weapons super early in the game, so made the process a lot less stressful and uh, a lot easier than in the first game. So that cleared up that problem a little bit. I mean, I still would rather... You know, the weapons be a lot stronger and stay the same. Uh, and, you know, you're getting certain, like, side weapons that help you get to the next dungeon. But, you know, it is what it is. Anyways, overall, I think Tears of the Kingdom, The Legend of Zelda, was almost a perfect game. I will say this. Is it a Legend of Zelda game? I, I still don't know. It has a name, but it it's a different creature all to its own. But it's still an entry I absolutely loved. I want to see more like this, but I also want to see more traditional Zelda. So hopefully they can offer something for both sides of the equation and both types of fans. So my final thoughts. This game is great. It's not the perfect Zelda game, but I do feel like it improved on what was established in Breath of the Wild. I love the new abilities. Stuff like that creates a whole new experience for the Zelda franchise, and I like to see that stick around. But I also still like to see a few tweaks that makes it resemble a bit more of what was established in the 3D Zelda games. Longer dungeons, more creative boss fights, stuff like that. But overall, this game is great. I like to reiterate, July's Game of the Month will be Contra. If you're playing along or just want to discuss the game with us, Make sure to let us know by using hashtag Cartridge Club on whatever social media platform you frequent. For those of you who want to get a head start on August game of the month, the Cartridge Club will be playing Ape Escape. If you're ever interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out to us. We're always looking forward to having new community members on to talk about the games they love. To those of you interested in supporting the club beyond a review on the podcast app of your choice, I'd like to mention that the club is entirely funded by pledges made from members of our community. We are extremely grateful to those supporters, and if you're interested in becoming one of them, please look at how you can do so at patreon.com forward slash cartridge club. And with that being said, that's the show, everyone. But before we go, I'd like to give our guests a chance to plug where you can find them online. 
So, Cap, why don't you tell us where you can find us online? Where you yeah, find so, you online? Sorry. <laughs> so, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, it's all same. Captain Algebra. Uh, I don't do a ton of videos anymore, but I am going for a complete Genesis collection. So, I update people on that uh, every month, as well as I do my video games monthly unboxings. And now that it's summer and uh, last school year is over, I finally am getting back to streaming twice a week. So Tuesday nights, I kind of play random games. And then Fridays, I'm playing uh, every Genesis game I own in alphabetical order, order kind of, because I do get new games, then I have to go back. And yeah, that's where you can find me. Thank you for being here. Tom and Lacey? So Tom and Lacey, married nerdy couple on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, under Do You Nerd on all of those things. Uh, we're a variety channel, so we put out videos once a week at least of just whatever we're interested in. Do a lot of event coverage videos, conventions, renaissance fairs. We're also doing a 1,000 Zelda collection challenge to see if we have 1,000 Zelda items in our collection. It is an ongoing thing. We have not scratched the surface of that. <laughs> well, thank you for being here and helping us out. Thank yeah, you. thank you for having us. It's been great. Adam, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me in the Atomic Bomb 1980. You can find me on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, you, uh, YouTube. I am on all platforms with the same name. Uh, I wanted to make sure I was able to grab my name on all platforms. I might even branch out and sign up for Kick just to grab my name for Kick. I don't think I'll ever stream on it, but you never know. You never know what happens. Yeah. But I mean, I primarily stream on uh, Twitch. I stream a couple days a week. All right, so if you guys are looking for me, you can find me on YouTube, Michael B. The Game Genie. I talk about a bunch of things. I'm a retro gaming channel. Uh, main focus for the last couple of years has been home arcade, uh, real arcades. Really like pinball now, but I also cover uh, retro console games like I always have. Talk about horror movies, talk about wrestling. It's basically a channel about me and my interests. So if you're interested in that, come check me out. All right, well, I'm on Twitter, or by the time you're hearing this, probably it's called X now, for reasons unknown, uh, at Stumptown Retro. I'm on Discord, at Stumptown Retro. Uh, and that's about it. Uh, you can find me there and chat with me there. Uh, Discord's probably the one I'm the most active on, but even that's pretty hit or miss, depending on what I'm doing at the time. As for myself, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram with the handle It's Rocket Sauce. We look forward to hearing from you next month. CC Unite.